You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There is only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's, that's it. One more. Get arrest! No! They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up! Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loud Mouth. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. July 25th, 2023, in this heat weight of, I don't even know, it's it's a heat weight of, I, I say weight, but it's heat wave of crap, ladies and gentlemen. I can't stand this weather. It is horrible. I do not like this weather. It, it goes from rainy to sunny to cold to hot to absolutely steamy. I do not like this weather. If you're from New York, enjoy it. If you're from Florida, enjoy it. If you're from L.A., enjoy it. If you're from Arizona, enjoy it. If you're from Texas, enjoy it. I absolutely can't stand it. Anyway, 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You are listening to the sports Loud mouths. And remember, go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com and follow all our shows throughout the week, including the Loud Mouths, which airs every single Wednesdays at 9 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. during the summer as we will flip it around in the wintertime. Yes, it's Tuesday, as tomorrow I have something up and coming. Uh, and I'm not going to say anything. I will post up pictures uh, throughout the weekend on where I'm heading uh, in the event planning business. Speedy, what's up, man? Well, the, the, it was very hot in the city of Boston, too, which I was there last Boston. weekend. Boston. Boston, yes. Boston. It was uh, rainy the first uh, the first night my brothers were there. They actually were in that uh, Red, Red Sox-Mets game. They got that huge rain delay. It ended up being a suspended game. And then we ended, I ended up going to the Sunday night game as well. They, they smoked 6-1. to one. They lost badly. But nevertheless, still a fun time. We had a, we did a lot of uh, different escape rooms, too, which was very interesting. And uh, a uh, arcade-type golf as well. So a lot of fitness involved, a lot of walking, a lot of sweat ourselves. Speaking of a team getting smoked by another <laughs> New York team, the New York Mets are up 7 to nothing against the New York Yankees. I'm not surprised, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. I am not, as Verlander is on the mound. He has the Yankees' number, and the Yankees don't have any numbers against him tonight. So The Mets waited enjoy. after we left to score runs, I say. <laughs> There's really nothing to speak about when it comes to baseball. As the trade deadline is coming around the corner, we will get into that when it gets closer, as Shea Otani's name keeps getting waved around, but uh, as the Yankees could be one of the lead teams to get them. At 10 o'clock, we'll be talking to pro football focus and serious XM fantasy football radio show host, Brian Drake. He will be joining us. Justin Herbert gets a five-year $262 million contract. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the Chargers are paying him the biggest yearly contract to Justin, a.k.a. Beast Man Herbert. So uh, we will get into that. Saquon Barkley ends his no-doubt drought on playing this season as he takes the holdout money, and uh, the Giants pay him a one-year $11 million contract 
with incentives that could take it all the way up to $14 million. We will get into the incentives a little bit later in the show. Dalvin Cook says that the Dolphins and Jets have not given him any official offers. So it doesn't seem like he is going to the Dolphins or the Jets unless some Somehow one of these teams, you know, scoop them right up. Right before, uh, obviously, training camp. It's going to be very interesting to see where Dalvin heads. Or maybe he goes back to Minnesota. Uh, Braves, Cardinals, Orioles, Diamondbacks are the latest teams that could enter the trade sweepstakes for Shea Otani. Jalen Brown signs a five-year, $304 million contract. The largest contract in NBA history. I have no idea what the Celtics are thinking right now. Jim Harbaugh suspended the first four games of the college football season because of a, a recruiting violation. So very interesting. Maybe things will start coming out with the recruiting of the Michigan Wolverines. Could this be Odell Beckham Jr.'s last season in the NFL as he spoke this weekend and saying that his retirement is coming near? So... Uh, we will get into that. Bracket Wars tonight, the number 15 seed, David Wright versus the number 2 seed, Mark Messier, and the number 9 seed, Wolf Clyde Frazier versus the number 8 seed, Scott Stevens. This is going to be a football show, ladies and gentlemen, so get ready to rumble as we will get into it. Uh, there's a lot to get into with the football season, and, and why don't we get into it? Because the Justin Herbert story broke before the show started. Adam Scheffner reports that Justin Herbert is going to receive a five-year, $262 million extension. His contract also includes a no-trade clause, which is crazy, $133.7 million contract guaranteed, and a $193.7 million in injury guarantees. Herbert is now the highest-paid quarterback in NFL history, signing $2 million more than Lamar Jackson contract signed in April. Herbert is making $52.5 million per year, just edging out Jackson's $52 million per year. Herbert has 14,089 passing yards, 94 passing touchdowns, a 66.9 completion percentage, and a 92, 96.2 passer rating in the last three seasons. Herbert and Peyton Manning are the only two quarterbacks in NFL history to have 25 or more passing touchdowns in all of his first three NFL seasons. The Chargers had about $10.7 million in cap space before the deal got done. So, I believe Justin Herbert is a top six quarterback in the NFL. He did not look good in the second half against the Jaguars. That had a lot to do with coaching. In the first half, Justin Herbert was dominating. And in the second half of last season, Justin Herbert was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Justin Herbert, if you look at his roster over the last couple of years, one, he plays injured. This guy goes out there week in and week out, Hurt ankle, hurt toe, turf toe, elbow problems, wrist problems. Tape it up, tape it up, tape it up, tape it up. He goes out there and he puts on a show. And if you look at his roster over the last couple of years and the injuries 
that the L.A. Chargers have been dealing with, you can only say why the Chargers are one of those teams that you expect to make the playoffs every single year is because of Justin Herbert. And you look at guys like Austin Eckler, who's been a big blanket for him. He didn't get extension this offseason. You added a guy like Quinton Johnston in the offseason in the draft. Keenan Allen hasn't stayed healthy. Mike Williams hasn't stayed healthy. This defense, let's be honest, has not been healthy. The offensive line over the last two years, including their best offensive lineman, as he was one of the best rookie offensive linemen we've seen come out of the draft in a very long time, and Slater get hurt last year and missed the full season and absolutely hurt that franchise growth. Khalil Mack, they made the move in the offseason last year to bring in Khalil Mack, and you expected him to play a full season. The guy couldn't play a full season. That defense, Joey Bosa, can never stay healthy. Derwin James can never stay healthy. You have all these all-pro type of style of players in on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball, and they can't stay healthy. But the one player that goes in week in and week out and has been... Everything for that organization is Justin Herbert. This organization has been craving that next quarterback that was going to take over for Phillip Rivers. And before Phillip Rivers, it was Drew Brees. They've always had good quarterbacks, really, since the franchise really became one of the more Interesting AFC franchises that we've seen over the last couple of years. We all know about the franchise woes in the playoffs as they are honestly not a franchise that shows up week in and week out in the playoffs. A couple of years ago, they had a chance to go to the Super Bowl. The coach was loved by everybody, including every single analyst. And what happens? They lose against a New England Patriots team. Why? Because they had to fly east. This is an organization. When they travel, when they go from the west to the east, it never works out. But again, this is a franchise that now has a quarterback that you can depend on. Has a quarterback that will go out there week in and week out, show up, Put up the numbers and give you a chance to win. And that's all you need from the quarterback position. And this, a lot of records, too. A lot of rookie records his first year. Uh, ended up winning rookie of the year because of that. And like you were saying before, the stat of him and Peyton Manning being the only quarterbacks to have 25 touchdown passes in his first three years. That's a pretty steady mark to look at, too. And I always mock them for being the least clutch team in football, but Herbert is not the reason why. Herbert's fourth quarter numbers in his career are very good, and so are Mike Williams. I think Mike Williams... Not in the would, playoffs. Not in the playoffs, but again, that's so far is a one-game sample size because they haven't made the playoffs much because they have their crumblesome losses in the regular season. Until he proves himself in the playoffs, people are going to obviously use that against him. Sure. And again, there's a, it's a one-game sample for the time being, and you're right. I think the coaching had the most to do with it, so hence they got rid of their offensive coordinator. They brought in the great Kellen Moore for 
all you Cowboys fans out there that definitely loved him. And like you were saying, like they didn't run the ball enough in the second half. Eckler had, I think, six total touches of the whole game. I like, think the beef obviously was very upset when they lost their offensive coordinator. Really? Mm-hmm. It seems like every Cowboys, fan's, uh, every Cowboys fan hated Kellen Cal- Moore, but I guess the beef is uh, one of the rare ones. He was never a good quarterback in the NFL. No. And honestly, as much as everybody – and Jeff – you know, with Kellen Moore, how many times did we hear Jeff stick up for Kellen Moore? That yeah. he, he blamed Dak Prescott. It wasn't Kellen Moore's play calling. It was Dak Prescott, which I honestly can go back and forth and argue with him about that. But Kellen Moore, he wasn't a good quarterback in the NFL. And really, he was a decent quarterback in college. But, and then he came and he, he took over as, uh, as one of the play callers for the Cowboys. And then he grew up and he grew into that offensive coordinator uh, position and now he's he's right now with the charges where he has a chance to grow and we've seen this we've seen these offensive coordinators move on and they want to make a name for themselves obviously coming from an offensive coordinator an offensive style of game that the Cowboys play with an offensive coach and now heading over there to another organization like the Chargers that is craving a new offensive style of game and and they have the pieces they can run that offense, the way that he likes to run the plays. And, and I don't think the Cowboys had the weapons to run Kellen Moore's offense. But that doesn't mean that Kellen Moore is a good offensive coordinator. And uh, yes, now I will break down the Chargers and all their, their issues that they have. And the biggest one being is they have a lot of guys that are injury prone, as it is, on this offense. Besides Eckler, Eckler's been pretty healthy throughout his career. Uh, who they don't want to pay. As they... Jeff says, no running backs deserve those extensions. Yep. Which... Is ridiculous. Mike Williams had a big, got a big contract last offseason. He played well when he was healthy, but again, still wasn't healthy the whole year. Like we were saying, both Rashawn Slater and also Corey Lindsley, who they made the highest paid center in the NFL at the time, too. He hasn't been able to stay healthy a lot either. And then their defense. You listed the, the two pass rushers. Also, J.C. Jackson, who they gave a big contract to, one of the higher-paid corners in the league. He was hurt a lot last year, too. So they're going to have to change their approach if they're going to go with this Herbert approach with paying him this, this much money because that's a lot of money given all these other veterans. So you're going to lose depth otherwise if that's the case. I was looking on social media today, and, and some, I don't remember. It was Yahoo or one of these organizations that were kind of – Figuring out what these teams are going to do this year, what their record is going to be at the end of the season. And actually, one of those posts showed that the Kansas City Chiefs were going to be 10-7 and this year. And they believe that that particular person believes that the Los Angeles Chargers are going to have the same record, the same record as the Kansas City Chiefs. I still think Denver is probably that team that might show a lot of people what they're capable of doing this year. I believe Russell Wilson is still a good quarterback. I do. Sean Payton is not a no-name coach that took over this team. This is a guy that's won a Super Bowl. This is a guy that has run some of the best offenses we've ever seen. So to think that Sean Payton can't go in there and figure out the woes of Russell Wilson last year with Nathaniel Hackett, who's now the offensive coordinator for the New York Jets, which everybody says that the, the defense is flying all over the field. We'll get into the Jets a little bit later. And even the offense, we saw... Aaron Rodgers throw a couple of deep ones today, and uh, we've seen an explosive AFC, the transition this year of the dominance of what the AFC is going to be this year. Cincinnati, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Jacksonville, Tennessee, Kansas City, Los Angeles, Denver, and then obviously the whole AFC East, which is it's loaded. 
It's absolutely loaded. But to get back to Justin Herbert, does he deserve the money? We're going to see these contracts grow and grow and grow. And I said this before, and I'll say it again. We will see the first NFL billion-dollar player, billion-dollar contract, probably in the next 10 years. And the reason why? Because money talks. TV deals, endorsements, people are finding ways to make money. Organizations, big billion-dollar organizations like the NBA and the NFL, and now the NHL is figuring out how to get more TV deals and bring more live games to, you know, the United States and, and really grow the product here in the USA because if it grows in the USA, more endorsements internationally will grow as well. Snug says, I heard the Chargers are trying to sign Zeke and cash in on the mystical three Super Bowls in a row prophecy. Snug, if, if Zeke ends up playing for the Chargers, he'll fumble the game away. That's how they'll lose in the playoffs. Speaking of fumbling, the New York Giants, who finally realized they needed to pay this man the money and the incentives that he deserves. Saquon Barkley signed a one-year, $11 million contract to end his potential holdout with the Giants, which has been the conversation here in New York for the last two weeks. Saquon also gets $2 million signing bonus and up to $900,000 in incentives. Saquon would get these incentives if he has 1,300 rushing yards this year, 11 touchdowns, and 65 catches, which he is absolutely no question numbers that he can hit. The Giants could still franchise Barkley again next season if they can't come to a long-term deal. They can no longer negotiate a long-term deal again until January 7th after the end of the regular season. If he hits his incentives, the total money of the deal would be about $4 million more than what he would have had playing on the franchise tag. I believe Saquon Barkley is going to bet on himself. And when he bets on himself this year and hits those numbers, which he will, because he is going to really touch the ball, I would believe, at least 50% of the time. There is nobody on that roster. I've been hearing that Hyatt looks like a a real speed demon on the outside. Here's the problem with him. He has problems catching the ball. And we have seen Giants over the years, a.k.a. Evan Ingram, who just got an extension with the Jaguars, which we call pot hands. It took him a while. It took him another team to figure it out. Saquon Barkley has been everything to the New York Giants. Everything. When you look at this offense last year, and Dable could say, and I know everybody's going to say he was obviously coach of the year and, and he had a great season calling the plays and he had Daniel Jones playing at a high level. Daniel Jones wouldn't have been Daniel Jones without Saquon Barkley. And obviously Dable and Shane knew that if they didn't get Saquon Barkley signed, they were in a lot of trouble. They had to go into OTAs and practices with this guy in the locker room. This guy in the film room. Because what he does, not only with his game and his ability to make plays, his his ability to be a captain, a leader in a locker room with a lot of young players. 
Right now, if you look at the Giants and you look at their leadership, who are you going to trust? Daniel Jones? Daniel Jones had one good year with the Giants. Let's see him do it back-to-back years. Then we can talk about Daniel Jones being a top-ten quarterback. Do I think Daniel Jones could be that? I've been saying this since the day they drafted him from Duke. I think he has the ability. He doesn't have the arm strength like Eli Manning. But he has the ability to get out of the pocket, make plays with his legs, something Eli couldn't do. Oh, God. Eli was lucky if he got like 10 rushing yards in a season. What makes Daniel Jones stand out is the fact that he has a powerful running back that could do things like catch the ball in the backfield, make people miss. And that's what Saquon Barkley's strength is. His big legs, his power, his ability to see the field as good as he does. That's what makes Saquon Barkley an elite running back in this league. And I know what Jeff's going to say. I know what a lot of people are going to say. I know what a lot of executives are going to say right now. Running backs are not worth paying. You can find a running back in the 6th, the 5th, the 7th round. Or maybe even undrafted. But to me, you look at those teams, you look at the elite teams, and let's be honest, look at the Giants right now. Without Saquon Barkley, who is going to carry the workload? Don't tell me James Robinson. (laughs) Because we know what the Jets did. The Jets traded what? A sixth-round draft pick? A fifth-round draft pick? I don't even remember. Yep. Jets legends James Robinson to go along with Jets legend Lawrence Cager and Jets legend Jason Pinnock now on the Giants. He got, first of all, he was beaten out by a, an undrafted running back, Bam Knight. Am I wrong? Bam beat out James, James Robinson. And you have to look at that. You, you have to look at the Giants' situation going into the season. Without Saquon Barkley, they're nothing. They're not. Competitive in a division, let, let's be honest, it's going to be dominated by the Philadelphia Bulldogs. And I think uh, Jeff was even saying last week, too, that James Robinson wasn't 100% healthy, and that's why the Patriots cut him. too. So that's what you're going to trust along with a 29-year-old Matt Breida and a fifth-round rookie. I don't trust the Dallas Cowboys. As much as everybody loves the Dallas Cowboys and what Micah Parsons is and what this defense did in the, se- in the first half of the season, really started to fall behind in the second half of the season. This was a top five, top six defense last year in the, in the Dallas Cowboys. And then in the second half, they, if, if you look at their second half numbers to their first half, they were ranked like 16th or 17th in, going into the second half after, the, after what they did in the first half as a top five defense. Uh, John says, I think the Giants won in the deal. Barkley took less money overall. No, not if he gets the incentives, though, John, because he would have just been playing on the franchise tag, and he gets that ni- extra $900,000 to go along with the signing bonus. He, ended up, he ends up getting more money overall, at least three, but maybe possibly four, depending on the incentives. But the one thing that does end up helping is maybe the connection as a whole, because it looked like Shane and Sha- Saquon were so far apart. And, John, we're not even talking about the Jets. Where, where does the Jets be? We're not even speaking about the Jets. We're speaking about the Giants right now. This has nothing to do with the Jets. That just shows you how much John Suggs hates the New York Jets. All I brought up with the Jets were the three ex-Jets that are now on the Giants. Who cares? Nobody cares about the Jets right now. We will get into the Jets a little bit later and what they've been doing 
obviously, in the beginning stages of OTAs. There was a lot of great things we've heard. Jeff reached out to me today and told me Makai Becton looks like crap. Good for him. He's <laughs> probably course. going to lose his job. And we, I, I didn't expect, I thought Makai Becton being 340, 330 pounds, but I'm not getting into the Jets right now. We're talking about the Cowboys and the Giants right now. I think the way the schedules are set up, the Giants could have a better record than the Cowboys by the end of the season. Not because of the talent. I think the Cowboys have more talent than the oh, Giants. Definitely. But I think the coaching, that's the difference. If you have Saquon Barkley and you can keep the game close and your defense and Wink Martindale can blitz you and put pressure on certain aspects of your offense, which we saw last year against what they did against the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, they did things that other teams couldn't do to the elite quarterbacks in the league. And that kept the Giants in it. And that gave Saquon Barkley more chances to dominate the way he does. But giving him this contract and giving him the incentives, he's going to hit these incentives. I'm telling you right now, he will have 1,300 yards in week 15. I believe Saquon Barkley will have a week where he's going to have 170 yards, two touchdowns. He's going to dominate. And the one thing I could say about the Giants going into this season, they're not going to have to worry about their center position anymore. Thank God. They actually have a competent center. They do. They drafted arguably the best center in this year's draft. You could argue that. I, I think when you look at the Giants in the position that the Giants put themselves in, they're trying to rebuild. They're trying to figure out how they're going to structure the future. And Joe Shane is going to restructure this team that Gettleman absolutely Rubbed in the mud. And I know people were saying in the comment section earlier that you can win without a top running back, which, again, we've seen that with either teams that have elite quarterbacks or teams that have elite coaches, which the Giants, yeah, they might have something with Brian Dable, but right now it's a one-year sample of him being a coach of the year type thing. And the Giants don't have the other makeup production unless, again, like you were saying, Hyatt is that good right away, or Isaiah Hodgins breaks out on a larger sample or something like that, a wide receiver that's going to scare any defenses off either, especially early in the season, too, when the Giants have that brutally tough stretch of road games at the beginning of the year. John says, uh, yeah, uh, yes, that if he does play a whole season, of course. But yeah, but they're, again, they, he's that, going to play the whole that, that that's up to that's the only way that I think he would have been rewarded with that. Otherwise, he still might have held out anyway, though, John. And that's where the Giants really made this relationship sour. Oh, and, and I'm telling you right now, even with these incentives and him signing this contract, the only reason why he did it is he wants to make sure that with this contract, if he hits his incentives, he is going to make the money that he wants or right. close to the money that he was asking for. But trust me, next year. He is not going to accept the franchise tag. He's not going to like what the Giants are probably going to do to him next year. I think this is the last year for Saquon Barkley. No matter what happens, no matter what kind of season, Saquon and the numbers he puts up, he will no longer be a New York Giant at the end of this season. Yeah, the franchise tag is just a leverage point for the, the front office. It has nothing to They're going to move him. Yeah, it has nothing to do with anything that Saquon would want. It has everything to do with Saquon trying to get that extra boost in a running back market that is very difficult as it is. And again, there's going to be other dominoes that fall too when it comes to, like you were talking about Eckler before, if he gets that next contract somewhere else, Josh Jacobs, like we were talking about next week. And somebody's going to have to set the market in some way. What team will do that and set the rest of it is another question because everyone seems to be resistant at this point too. And that, I think that's the waiting game Saquon is playing at this point to try to get more money, but also more money down the road. You so. know, it's so funny when I, um, and I don't care who wins this game, the Yankees and the Mets, it really doesn't matter. It has no meaning to anybody's season. 
including the Yankees. The Mets are under 500. The Yankees are over 500. The Yankees are in the hard, hardest division in baseball. The Mets are in a division that's dominated by one team and one team only. I, I don't know why everybody's making this a big deal. I don't really care. It's, we're not going to speak about this because it doesn't mean anything into the season. We're talking about football right now, and you should be excited. Hard Knock starts, what, August 8th? I know everybody says nobody wants to watch the Jets, but it's going to be a very interesting offseason. The Jets are favorites to possibly come out of the AFC. I don't know about Super Bowl, but they can win the AFC East. They could go far. They can go to the semis. They could go to the AFC title game. I don't know if they're going to win it. Only time will tell. And if this offensive line doesn't hold up, it's not going to make a difference. The Giants are not winning a Super Bowl this year. But what the Giants could do this year in an NFC that's so weak, the conference is so crappy. I asked Jeff today, who do you think is going to be your surprise team that could make noise in the season for the NFL? And he said, and I know, I said, don't say this team, the Jaguars. And he's the Jaguars are already a team to, that, to be messing with, with the, the wide receiving core that they have now. Doug Peterson actually knows what he's doing, a.k.a. he's no Urban Meyer. <laughs> That's not saying much. And, and right now, Trevor Lawrence looks like he's going to be a star in this league for many, many years to come. I said, who, who do you think? And you know what he said? And I agree with him. The Chicago Bears. Because they have a competent quarterback. They have a quarterback that wants to be great. And the way this roster is set up, nobody expects much from them this year. Adding DJ Moore gives them a a wide receiver that can make plays on the outside. Acrobatic plays. A second in a full year of Chase Claypool. And they're going to be an explosive defense. Adding Tremaine Edmonds. Their offensive line's better. Justin Fields has the opportunity this year to make noise. He will be compared for the rest of his career to Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Those are the three quarterbacks that everybody's going to compare to one another as we compare Sam Darnold, Rosen, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, that draft class, and who came out on top in that draft class? Only two of them, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Uh, John also says surprise team is Panthers, Bears, and Browns. Panthers have the talent to do so. The question is, again, how fast can their coaching adapt to everything else? They have two coaches that are gr- two coming in. Frank Reich as head coach and also Ejo Avero, who was the defensive coordinator for the Broncos last year, who did very well. How quickly can those players adapt to that new scheme will be in one thing. If they do, they definitely could win that division, John. I, I think when, when you look at, obviously, the Browns, Deshaun Watson is going to have to have a season – that we're going to compare it to that season, his last season with the Texans, where he had 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and he was a dominant force, and I believe the MVP of the league. He is going to have to put those numbers up, up this year. And by the way, Elijah Moore has to be that other piece. 
He's going to have to be that other weapon, which they were missing last year, because as much as Amari Cooper really put up the numbers, especially in the second half, and really changed a lot of those games and and the fortunes of those Brown games when they were close, and one of the main reasons, everybody says the running backs, but it wasn't the running backs. It was the wide receiving play of Amari Cooper. Now you add Elijah Moore on the other side. It could be explosive with the running game that they have. There is no Kareem Hunt. He is not signed back with them. So if they lose, if they lose any of these offensive players that we're talking about, they're in trouble. John also says, uh, Houston. oh, I think you mean the Broncos, John. Houston could probably be surprised team if Sean Payton can get Russell Wilson. You mean the Broncos. Yeah, that's what Errol was saying before. Mm-hmm. If... if the Broncos have had the talent for a while, and they got better on the offensive line this offseason, bringing in Ben Powers and bringing in Mike McGlinchey as new contracts. And their defense, which I thought would drop off last year because they lost Vic Fangio, did not drop off. They were bad against the run, but they were very good everywhere else. Now could do it again with another defensive corner. Yeah, they definitely could be in that running for sure. The only problem with the AFC West is they have a pretty tough schedule this year having to play the AFC East and also the NFC North is going to be a very difficult combo for them. I think there's so many things that could happen this year in so many of these different divisions, especially in the AFC, because it's so open. It's, so, it's going to be so explosive. And, and you, everybody keeps talking about the, the AFC East and how dominant that could be. But here's the thing. You look at, we were just talking about the Browns. You have Nick Chubb, Elijah Moore, Marquise Goodwin is, is now on. He's going to be another weapon for them this year. And that defense, Cleveland's defense, with Smith and Miles Garrett, they have the ability to compete and make the playoffs. There's no question that the Cleveland Browns could be as dangerous as any team in the AFC. Even Pittsburgh, who probably has the weakest quarterback or the second weakest quarterback in the whole AFC, he could take two steps forward. And with the weapons that the Pittsburgh Steelers always have and the way they play defense, if they can stay healthy, let's be honest, Watt has to stay healthy this year. If Watt doesn't stay healthy this year, this defense could really fall apart as fast as it did when he got hurt in the early season, beginning of the season last year. But they kept it together, and they figured things out. They moved certain pieces in certain areas, helped out the defense, opened up the defense, and gave them a chance to make the playoffs last year at the end of the season when Watt came back. Right, and like the Broncos, the Steelers had so many offensive line issues that they really couldn't get the rest of their offensive skill players going. Look at Najee Harris had one of the roughest starts to a year for a second-year running back we've seen because of how bad that offensive line was, and then it just kept wearing them out because they didn't have enough of a passing attack when Pickett wasn't playing. Because remember, they started the season with Trubisky, and they really didn't gain, gain much offensively from that either, and a lot of their receivers were having drop problems. So they just had too many issues all at once. The Browns are interesting if they could fix their run defense. They really don't have another significant weakness on their team. That was the only thing that hurt them. I think they were 26th. John says Detroit with another year like they had last year and improved could win their division. Detroit's going to be dangerous. They are. But here's the thing. They lose Williams for almost 12 games. What is it? it, 10 games? 11 games? I don't know how many games. But he, he bet on football. He's going to miss a significant amount of time. He didn't miss the whole season. But losing him again... For a significant amount of time, your number one guy, well, it's your number two guy because uh, St. Brown has is, is, is become a real oh, yeah. beast in the league. But here's the problem. St. Brown, over the last couple of years, even though he's played hurt, he's been dealing with a significant amount of injuries. 
He has to stay healthy. They lose St. Brown. Who are they going to use on the outside? What kind of plays are they going to be running offensively without St. Brown now that Williams is out? Oh, you don't trust the great Denzel Mims to do the job? We don't know what Denzel Mims is going to be on the Detroit Lions, how they're going to use him. He's, he's a big body. He could go out there and catch the ball. But is he that burst of a player that we saw come out of Baylor in the second round by the New York Jets and Joe Douglas? I don't know. And again, the Lions have the opposite problem of the teams we were talking about. Their offensive line was one of the best in the league last year, but they had so much, too many inconsistencies with injuries with a lot of their offensive skill players, too. And now they have two completely new running backs all at once. They drafted Jameer Gibbs. They uh, signed David Montgomery. What do, what do you think about Jameer Gibbs? Do you think he's going to be a playmaker? Do you think he's going to be exp- as explosive as, as B. John Robinson? Are you, are you, do you think he's that type of player that you can use as a wide receiver and a running back? Yes, I do. I think he's somebody that you could definitely definitely move around in the slot areas because he's again he's, he's his size is he's a little smaller so I don't, again I don't know how much he'll be able to do outside but shiftiness wise and agility wise he's he'll be great off the line of scrimmage and we saw the Lions used a lot of motion last year towards the second half of the season that was a big reason why even losing all those wide receivers that they did with the injuries that they had they still were able to play well and turn their season around after we had John Jansen on the show and he was supposed to be head coach of the Detroit Lions when Dan Campbell got fired ever since then the Lions almost made the playoffs I think when, when you look at somebody and, and as a quarterback like Jared Goff, and Jared Goff last year put up the numbers, showed up week in and week out. I watched him at Hard Knocks. He's got a very interesting personality. We got a chance to meet Hutchinson and, and, and got a chance to see him dance to Michael Jackson. I think it was Michael Jackson he was dancing to. I think Detroit is one of the best young teams right now in all of football. I just don't know what this team is going to do now that the pressure is on them to make the playoffs and win their division and be one of the elite teams in their conference. That's something that only Campbell could predict. Because remember, in the beginning of the season, Detroit was not playing well. No, they started, I think, 2-6. and six. They were talking about firing their, their defensive coordinator, firing their linebacker coach, possibly moving on and finding a new coach at the end of the season because Campbell wasn't putting up the numbers that everybody thought he was going to do as a head coach going into, what, his second year. Yep. It was supposed to be John Jansen, but we had him on. But then the Lions got hot. (laughs) That division is wide open. Minnesota, as good of a season they had last year, they lost against the Giants in the first round of the playoffs at home. 13-4, and their record, if you look at it, it was probably the best record we've ever seen, probably with the worst team that's ever made the playoffs. Justin Jefferson is a fantastic talent. He really is. And I think Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. I do. New coach in O'Connell. And really, the way this team has built their roster... I think that, obviously, the way they believe that this team is going to start moving in the direction offensively, remember, over the last 10 years, they were a defensive-minded team. Oh, yeah. Defense first, offense second. Now it's changed. With O'Connell there, it's offense first, offense second, defense is third. And last year, the games were close. Not because of the defense, it's because the offense have kept them in the game. 
And when the offense couldn't, the offense couldn't keep him in the game. That was when the Eagles and all the the top teams were destroying them. When you look at the 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 scores of the game and the games, the four games that they lost, I would say two out or two out of the four or three out of the four weren't even close. Yeah, and that was a big reason they brought in Brian Flores to help out this defense now, too, because at Donatel, in the second half of the season especially, got very predictable. When we had Pete Bursich on the last time we had him on the show, he was trying to stick up for him, but still, like even you could even see some of the not adjustments that were being made against bad teams. The Bears that they almost lost to, like you were saying, the Giants, who don't have a lot of great offense on paper. Like The the, the Vikings shut down Saquon in the, in the regular season game, and they let everyone else do it, and then they, Saquon went off in the playoff game, and so did Isaiah Hodgins and all those guys. Like, all you have to do is watch film, yeah. and you can see that this defense leaves so many ways to beat them. Mm. You could beat them on the outside, and you can run on the inside. What did Saquon Barkley do in that playoff game? He beat you inside. That's what he did. He didn't run on the outside. How did Saquon Barkley beat the Minnesota Vikings? He beat him. He beat up the middle. As the, the Giants use the outside, and by the way, the Giants don't have any outside weapons. But in that particular game, they did. Well, yeah, that just shows how bad the Vikings' corners were last year and really uh, getting burnt with a lot of big plays, too. And Brian Flores, we've seen him do wonders with a lot worse defenses in Miami his first two years there. So that's a good sign for Minnesota if they're able to keep everybody, though, too, because they lost Eric Hendricks this offseason. Mm-hmm. They brought back Harrison Smith on a one-year deal, but he's older now. And then Daniil Hunter is going to be a free agent at the end of this year, so they have to figure out what to do with him. He had a great year last year. He had, I think, 13 and a half sacks, but they got to figure that out, too, and still be able to get that corner depth back because they they brought in a lot in free agency. They drafted a kid in the second round in Mackay Blackman. But How about they, in the first round? Yeah. Do they have enough to do they have enough defensively to be able to be at least somewhat serviceable with the potential of this offense? And like you were saying, with Addison uh, now adding to Justin Jefferson too, uh, who just got in trouble. Yeah, who just got in trouble, but he's now reporting that it was his dog. Mm. To save his dog, one hundred and forty miles per hour. This kid was driving on the streets. Yes, on the streets. I don't care. Hey, listen, was he drinking? I don't know. I, I, I don't know, but he definitely got a ticket. He's probably going to lose his license. So we better get one of those scooters or something because that's what he's going to be driving to work now. <laughs> but Minnesota could be a dangerous team. But I think I don't think Minnesota's going to be 13-4 and four like they were probably last not. year. They're not going to have that record that they had last year. And that's why it's wide open. And then there's Green Bay. Everybody that we've spoken to, that we – Obviously, we've we've spoken to some Green Bay Packer players that are going to play with him this year. We've also spoken to Green Bay Packers of the past. We brought up Jordan Love, and a lot of people say it said to us that you cannot compare Jordan Love to two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. And you can argue that a top ten, both of them, top ten quarterbacks of all time, Aaron Rodgers, who's now a New York Jet, and Brett Favre, well, you can argue was sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth all time. As a quarterback. That's a lot of pressure on Jordan Love. With a bunch of rookies. A bunch of youngsters. Watson's going into year two. His second half of last year was fantastic. His first half, we didn't even know where he was. He barely even looked like he was on the field. Jones had a good season. Did he have those that kind of season that he had the year before? Before he got that $14 or $13 million contract? He didn't. There's a lot of what-ifs and a lot of maybes going into the Packers this year. 
We don't know what they are. We don't know what they're going to be. John says, I think Green Bay will be better than people think. I say seven, eight wins. Definitely possible if their defense stays healthy. Go bring up their uh, schedule. Definitely possible if their defense stays healthy, John. It's just a matter of they also, like the Browns, struggled against the run. And that's one of those things that is going to be very difficult to be able to adapt for something that they've only had one good year at doing that. And can they stay off the field is another question, too, to keep their offense more of a chance because it's going to be very hard. So they got the Bears to open up the season in Chicago. Mm. Then they are on the road against the Falcons. Uh, Then they're home against the Saints, home against the Lions. Raiders on the road. Broncos on the road. They had a problem with Detroit last year with Aaron Rodgers. Mm -hmm. Okay? And and Chicago, even though they have Chicago's numbers, it wasn't – it wasn't Green Bay that had the number for Chicago. It was Aaron Rodgers yeah. <laughs> that had the number of the Chicago Bears. Right. So then they got the they got the Vikings at home, Rams at home back to back. So they have a lot of home road bunches, which is very interesting. Steelers and Chargers, Chargers at home, Steelers on the road, then the Lions again, then the Chiefs at home, Giants at New York, Packers at home, Panthers on the road, Vikings on the road, and the Bears at home to end the season. It, it's it's so wide open in the NFC and the conference, and we haven't even gotten into the NFC South or even the NFC West, where everybody thinks it's just going. The San Francisco 49ers are just going to breeze right through the opponents in their division because Seattle, nobody knows what Seattle's going to be in their second year. Pete Carroll, where last year they said Pete Carroll could retire the year after. He is coming back for another year. And with. Geno Smith getting the extension, the contract that he got in the offseason. And not drafting a quarterback in the first round, which everybody was surprised that the Seattle Seahawks did not gun for maybe moving up and getting Richardson and having him sit behind Geno Smith for a year. Or maybe going after a C.J. Stroud and trying to move up to get C.J. Stroud or any one of the quarterbacks that were spoken about Throughout going into the offseason. Seattle's another one that solved their biggest issue, too. They had a lot of trouble stopping the run last year, except against the Giants, oddly enough. But they were 27th in the run defense last year. They signed Draymond Jones, who had a great year last year with the Broncos. They brought back Bobby Wagner. They signed Devin Bush. So they filled a lot of those holes in the front seven to go along with that young secondary that was very good. And like we were saying about the Jets, a team that drafted so well, they have a lot of players that have a lot of upside. We saw that with the Lions in the second half of the season, too. A lot of their defensive players that were day three draft picks stepping up. And Seattle had a lot of those guys, too in the beginning of the season. That's why they got off to that hot start that nobody expected them to last and year. And then there's the Rams. Matthew Stafford is back. Cooper Cup is back. They don't have Jalen Ramsey. He goes to Miami, flees, or maybe even fleece the Los Angeles Rams because the Rams have no draft picks thanks to Jalen Ramsey. They did win a Super Bowl, so I guess that's a, a compilation prize. I don't know. The Rams could be a decent team this year. They, their defense stinks, and their offensive line is horrendous. But Sean McVay knows this, and what Sean McVay is going to do, he's going to try to make Matthew Stafford get the ball out of his hands as quick as possible. He does have weapons. They could use these wide receivers in, you know, in the slot. This could be a fast-paced offense, and I could see that happening being that this offensive line is one of the worst in, in football. And Arizona's going to stink. Yeah, They're going to stink. Kyler Murray will not be back until the second half. Some people say he might not be back this year. Their defense, you can question that half of these guys are not going to be here after next year. 
And this offense, let's come on. We don't now. Hopkins is playing for Tennessee. He goes back to Tennessee. How is this going to work? How is it going to work? And that's why Arizona will be the talk of the season because they obviously are going to be the worst team in the NFL. And they have a chance to draft the number one pick next year. And we have seen this organization and this team, Kyler Murray is not getting or not getting along with the coach right now that was just hired, yeah. the defensive coordinator for the Eagles. And you're hearing that. What does that tell you? Kyler Murray, if he does come back, and I, I expect Arizona to try to get him back as soon as possible because if this team is one of the worst or the worst team in the NFL with the quarterbacks that are going to be available in this coming draft, I could see Arizona drafting at number one another quarterback in Williams over there at USC. It's going to be a tough contract to move, though, because it's so big and because Kyler Murray... Not a team will definitely take that contract. Not, not only with... The injury risk that Kyler Murray already had even before he signed the contract, but also now he's the, still a franchise quarterback. The, uh, I'm not denying that. I've, the you coach, don't see him going to Tampa. It's possible. I don't know if Tampa has the money right now, but it's definitely they'll uh, find a way. It's definitely possible. It, both teams. Did the Saints find a way? Yeah, the Saints always find a way. <laughs> they found a way. They got they <laughs> the Saints got are the master manipulators of the salary cap. <laughs> How about Indianapolis? They did draft Richardson. Maybe they do a swap. Two coaches that know each other. Hmm, that's interesting. Kyler Murray yeah, going over there. He's a veteran right. quarterback that can mm. do everything that Indianapolis wants to run. He's a he's a smaller Jalen Hurts. Why couldn't that happen? No, that would definitely fit. How if about that, Pittsburgh? If that, if that ends up happening, it's just a matter of they need the right team to be able to get the money. I guess the Colts make sense from that regard. And then what happens if two can't stay healthy this year? Miami's another team. Uh, Jeff says Kyler will be a Falcon. I, yeah, I guess that could be that possible. could happen. That Absolutely, could be, I could see that. Yeah, a running gun. I never, type I never yeah. even thought of that. Yeah, yeah, because the Falcons they, they are definitely def- a team. they definitely have the money. Even spending a lot this year in free agency, they definitely have the money to take on that. Even if Arizona takes on part of the contract, Atlanta could still take on enough of a bulk to make that kind of thing work. And it's, again, it's an exotic type offense, like you were saying with the Colts. If that coaching staff ends up staying there for the long term and making it work. Yeah, that that kind of thing could definitely makes makes sense. It's just again, how coachable Kyler Murray will be with some of these new guys too is another question. Because Cliff Kingsbury was his guy, like that mm-hmm. they were close, and that really made a difference of how early he went in the draft and how early he was able to develop faster. Because Kyler Murray, his his game was still kind of raw in college too, because he only played a year and a half as a starter. So I think it would have taken him a little longer. Say he was drafted in that draft by Washington or something that needed a quarterback. Dalvin Cook said that he did not refuse the Dolphins' offer to him, but rather the Dolphins never actually gave him an official offer. The Jets have also not given Cook an official offer either, after recently signing Quinn Williams and trading for Denzel Mims. Cook said a contract with the Buffalo Bills is not out of the picture. The Bills lost running back Naheim Hines for the season after he suffered a knee injury. However, Buffalo recently signed former Titans running back Evans to a one-year deal. Cook said that he knew that his time with the Vikings was going to be up at the end of last season, which likely puts an end to him going back there. The Patriots, Broncos, and Bears also still remain interested in Dalvin Cook. 
I'm going to say this, and it's so very interesting about Dalvin Cook because the NFL is going to step in on this because Dalvin Cook is really sitting and he's trying to – I don't know what he's trying to do. Is it try to spin the wheel, make the deal kind of, kind of thing with these teams? Because I don't see the Patriots bringing him in. I could see the Patriots bringing in Leonard Fournette, which they brought him in, and and, and Jeff says they don't need him because the Patriots they don't, yeah. every single year find a way to draft a quarterback in the later rounds, and they plug and play. That's what the Patriots like to do. So why bring in Dalvin Cook unless he's trying to play keep away with the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins and even maybe the Buffalo Bills? The Broncos and the Bears are interesting. I don't think the Bears are going to bring in a Dalvin Cook. I really don't. As much as... I know <laughs> I know it would piss off Minnesota if Chicago somehow goes after Dalvin Cook and adds Dalvin Cook to that offense. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think it makes a lot of sense with the Broncos being the number one team and the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills, because his brother plays over there, and the Broncos because Williams will not be healthy in the beginning of the season. He'll probably not play the first two games. To have, to have a player of that talent, that ability to go out there and run a Sean Payton offense who we saw how impressive and how fast that offense was playing behind Alvin Kamara. Having somebody of this magnitude, a guy like Dalvin Cook, who's probably even more explosive than Alvin Kamara. Yeah, and you look at a case of the... Dalvin Cook market even as a wide receiver too and that's something that a lot of these teams can still utilize even if he's not getting the same volume as he did in Minnesota too because Dalvin Cook still had very efficient numbers despite not having the overall workload that he had when Mike Zimmer was there too and that's why that's why it's surprising a lot of these other teams have been kind of swaying on them not giving an official or offer stuff like that it's just very odd that Miami especially because I think that kind of offense fits him very well you have Guys are already quick off the line of scrimmage with, with Mostert and Wilson, but they don't have the secondary moves that Dalvin Cook does. Dalvin Cook is much more shiftier. They're more of the one-cut runner type. So it adds a different dimension into that offense, a very creative offense as it is. The Jets, the same kind of thing. But at the same time, the Jets had a good job, did, did well with their rookies last year. Denver's good. I think Denver's a really good fit for them, an exotic type of offense with Sean Payton. And it can help wear not wear out Javante Williams too much either when he comes back. I think when you look at so many different teams that could add a guy and, and that impactful type of player like Dalvin Cook, you, you could add teams like the Patriots and the Bears and the Broncos and any team right now in the NFL because to add somebody like Dalvin Cook – Gives you that style, that beast of a player that you need behind the line of scrimmage that can catch the ball and beat you up the middle and, and really be an important factor to your team making the playoffs or not making the playoffs. So could I see the Patriots making a move and bring Dalvin Cook in if it could change the opportunity that they have to maybe be a wild card team in the AFC? Yeah, but do, does the Patriots think adding a Dalvin Cook get him over the top over Miami? Or the Jets. I don't know. I don't know. And I can't see a Bill Belichick doing something like that. He's not that type of coach. And bringing O'Brien back, I think it will make Mac Jones play better this year. It will help Mac Jones discover himself that he had in his rookie season where he threw over 3,000 yards and had a very good rookie season, which I believe should have been rookie of the year. 
Uh, John, I don't think Washington's going to go after them. They have two young running backs that are pretty good, and I think is going to play a lot like Andy Reid and try to platoon those two guys. And I don't know what he's saying. What was Jeff saying over here? Errol Marks, of course, you will... What did he say over here? He's just goofing off. He thinks you're going to obsess about the Jets. I'm not. I'm not going (laughs) obsessed by the Jets. I'm not. I'm going to speak about the Jets. If you go on any impacted radio station right now throughout the world, the country, what is the first team everybody is talking about? The New York Jets. I haven't spoken about the New York Jets yet, Jeff. I haven't said really anything about the Jets. Did I, Speedy? Have I no, said, I've said anything? No, I said more about the Jets today. I have said nothing about the Jets. And that shows you how dumb and crazy Jeff is. Because all Jeff will do is attack everything I talk about, calling this the Jet Station, the dumbass. Okay? I'm not speaking about the Jets until after our first guest in Brian Drake, our friend Brian Drake, joins us. And I'm sure we will speak a little bit about the Jets with him because I'm sure he's anxious to see what's going to happen on Hard Knocks and what kind of play Aaron Rodgers is going to make some of these, this talent that the Jets have and some of these young players that the Jets have going into this season show up and go out there and put the numbers that everybody expects them to do. I haven't said anything about them. I've spoken about everybody, including your damn Patriots, who I can't stand. They stink. All I said with the Jets so far today, and I said it to Lyle, we will get into what's going on with the Jets in practice and OTAs and hard knocks after Brian Drake. And what does Jeff do? What does he do? He always calling this a clown show. And what is he saying? Ranting about nothing. I rant about stupidity, and that's what you are, a dumbass. Go eat a Twinkie, go drink your drinks, go hang out and bet on sports, because that's what you do. I, I, I mean, cook a rat or something. Do something, man. You know what I did, Jeff, to help you out because I didn't want to do it to you? I didn't make you eat dog poop. Do you notice that? I could have went out there and told you to go eat dog poop. Because I'm a real man. And even though I hold, I hold up to my bets, I didn't, push you to make, I didn't push you to go and do something disgusting like that. It shows you what kind of man I am and what kind of fruit you are. Anyways, when we come back, we will be talking to Pro Football Focus and Sirius XM Fantasy Football Radio Show host, our friend Brian Drake, here on the Sports Lab Mounts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, and so is my undercarriage. It is hot. It's disgusting. Steamy. Here in Long Island, New York, it's raining. Storms, disgusting. You are listening to the Sports Loud Mouths. I'm your host, Daryl Marks. My co-host, Speedy Petey. 
Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including The Loudmouths, which airs every single Wednesdays at 9 p.m. and Thursdays here in the summertime. We will flip-flop it in the wintertime when kids go back to school, work, whatever you're going to do. We're open for everyone. So uh, tune in to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network by going to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. We love this guy. He's been on our show a couple of times. This guy has a sensational radio voice. He knows everything you need to know about football. We are now talking to Pro Football Focus and Sirius XM Fantasy Football Radio Show host, our friend, Brian Drake. Brian, what's up, man? Hey, fellas. What's going on? Thanks for having me back. I always appreciate it. I love hearing you beat up the the jokers in the chat room Mm. before I came on. That was fantastic. And I was down in Long Island this weekend, man, in oh, the back of the woods. You should have came, man. We, we should have gotten a drink. I, I don't drink. But for you, man, I'll drink a beer. I'll drink a I beer. Went out, I'll tell you some of the stops we went to. We, we, well, we played three straight days at Beth Page Black. Mm. Walking. I mean, that was real. Tough course. Then we went to uh, Borelli's mm. on Friday night. Delicious. And then someplace, some little bar across from Adventureland. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> oh, I know exactly Dale. where. I, you were in Farmingdale. I think it's it was a, I don't know. It's Farmingdale. It's Farmingdale. It? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we went to some little uh, little place over there. It was cool. Mm-hmm. I I don't think I've been to Long Island since I was in college. Really? For a graduation party, but beautiful, great. Area. I wish you called us. I wish you reached out to us. I would have I would have showed you around. Were you with your wife? No, just some of my buddies for a golf weekend. All right. There's there was a lot to do this weekend. You could have reached out to us, but. Uh, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to attack you. We have a lot of football to talk about. But before we get into football, what are your thoughts to what's going on right now in the industry? We spoke about this last time, and I, you know, I, I ranted about everything that should be happening in the industry, and now it's just tearing, you know, tearing down again. What are your thoughts? Uh, obviously, with ESPN, CBS is firing some people. NBC is now no longer the the, the net, there's no NBC Sports Network really anymore. They have writers, but really no shows anymore. I mean, they have a couple of them, but not not many. Uh, what are your thoughts of what's going on in the industry? You know, it's tough because so many people want to get into this industry, and you see the money for these or revenue or these rights deals and what the networks are charging that keeps going up and up and up. But then we see. You know, the regional sports networks collapsing and that model failed. Uh, and, and ESPN's laying off all these people. ESPN Radio, I mean, that's just a joke in and of itself. Mm. Um, I was talking to a, a buddy of mine about ESPN Radio, a station that a few years back had, you know, Mike and Mike for as goofy as Greenberg mm-hmm. and Golik were. That was a really good morning show. They did what they were supposed to do. They sold a ton of ads uh, and they got people news and it was light and easy to listen to. Uh, Dan Patrick, Colin Cowherd, Tony Kornheiser before that. It was amazing. And now, I mean, that show they used to have on with, uh, was it Max Kellerman? Mm-hmm. And, and, and those, that was unlistenable. <laughs> unlistenable. Keyshawn, Jason Williams. That was a bad show, man. And <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. I don't, they just, they don't prioritize, I think, the right people. And everyone's gone into it now where if you're a hot take artist, it's almost better <laughs> than being someone with a, a well thought out opinion or someone who can carry a conversation it's like they would rather just have the Stephen a smiths of the world um you know and that that bleeds into you know twitter and and writing articles and you know people don't want to read they don't they'd rather just give me a a top five list i'm not going to read a 2000 word article a research piece 
so it's tough. And now you got AI. You can just go to. I totally read an article about like this today, uh, that I, I guarantee someone's AI wrote, and it was just <laughs> like, give me, you know, write an article about. Oh, what the hell was it even about? Uh, it was something ridiculous. But I, I'm like, there's no human being that wrote this. There, there's not a chance. And that's a problem now because there's going to be some smaller sites out there in the industry. They're going to say, we don't need, what do we need writers for? We can just have AI write all this stuff. And it'll, it'll be good enough for the third grade reading level of most people because they don't have the attention span. They're just going to scroll through it like it's TikTok. So it, it's, it's tough. I know, man. Uh, I had a great buddy of mine here in Syracuse where I live. He was the, the voice of Syracuse sports. He writes for Syracuse.com. He's got the afternoon drive time show. They fired him after the Syracuse basketball season. Wow, the day after what? Bayheim retired. Because, and he came out and it said not so many words. He goes, well, Bayheim got me fired. Jim Bayheim owns part of the radio station mm-hmm. that airs oh. the Syracuse games. He's in bed with the, uh, you know, the guy that owns the company. And they thought that he was too negative about Syracuse basketball. So, after Jim Beheim um, was let go, so was my friend. Uh, you know, it's crazy. so interesting. You you were speaking about Stephen A. Smith. Why can't you have a guy that is crazy and and outlandish like Stephen A. Smith and actually knows what he's talking about, holds a good conversation? There are people out there, and ESPN over the years, even CBS, they went out there and they brought new talent in, and they, they put them on that pedestal and let them grow at that position. As you saw, obviously, with CBS, Mike Francesa and, and the Mad Dog, they built this product and, and really changed sports radio. Now when you look at sports radio now, you have guys, and I'm sorry, and I, I like Skip Bayless, garbage, okay? It is garbage right now. You're the one guy that likes Skip Bayless. Uh, I'm sorry? <laughs> You're the one guy that likes Yes, Skip but I, I am. I, I, I am. I, out of all the people out there, I do like Skip, but it's garbage. It really is. Yeah. And then you have Sharp, and then you have Stephen A. Smith, and you have all these guys, and, and Keyshawn, and Jason. I love Keyshawn. I really do. I think he's, he was a great player, and he's he's great personality. He doesn't know anything but football. You, you bring these guys in. You need somebody that knows about everything, that's going to attack everything, that's going to attack it and actually know what he's talking about, and then give you a product that entertains you at the same time. There is nothing out there, and that's why sports radio is garbage. It'll never go away. You know that. Brian, it's never going to go away because there's ways to make money. But the problem is with these organizations, they're sitting back, they're patting their own ass, and they're saying, you know what, we'll bring this guy in. You know why? He's got a million followers on Twitter, and this guy has 950,000 followers on Instagram. Give me a break. How about this? How about I go on national radio and my TikTok and start wiping my ass and showing all the the crap that I put in a toilet every single before my show. How's my? How's that going to sell? I guarantee it'll put five or six thousand people watching me do that. It's disgusting. It's ridiculous. It's dumb. I'm sorry, Brian. It's all right. Hey, but you know what? You're like your guy in the chat room said. You know, people want to talk about the hot stories of the day. There's no hotter story than uh, your Jets. Mm. Everyone's going to want to talk about it. Now they're going to be on hard knocks, which they're crying like babies about that they don't want to be on there and <laughs> jump down their throats. And, like, if you, nobody cares. Like, people love hard knocks because they love the human element of it. It's almost like when, you know, when you watch the Olympics, and this is why the XFL and those minor leagues, uh, leagues fail is because they don't realize the human element that really gets people into those things when you watch the olympics 
what do they do? They tell you the backstory of some kid from Kentucky who's now a you know downhill skier. And you, you know what? Your wife watches it. And she goes, oh, I like this guy's story. I'm going to get invested in him. And that's what Hard Knocks does. You find that one guy who's going to make it. And you're rooting for him. And then people become fans of that team. They become fans of that player. You look at the XFL and the AFL and whatever garbage league there are. They don't do that. And that's nobody cares because it's bad football and you're not emotionally invested in the product. So the Jets should love it. They should treasure this opportunity to, you know, have people they, they're the second class citizen in New York. hundred percent. Yeah. They always have been and they always will be because of things like this. Like embrace it. You've got Aaron Rodgers, one of the five greatest quarterbacks to ever play in the NFL, as your quarterback probably for the next two years. Like you should want all the eyes on you. No one's ever talked about you before since Joe Namath was there. Like, please, Jets, embrace this for once, you know, and, and have a great season. It's going to be fascinating to watch. I, they have a great team. Yeah, you were actually, I saw one of your tweets, you were very positive about Aaron Rodgers, both for the fit in New York and also for fantasy purposes. So describe yeah. that. How do you think that ends up working? Yeah, so you know, the tweet I put out was basically about how bad he was in 2022. But... You know, he didn't have Devontae Adams. He had a bad thumb for a lot of the season. And I think fans and in, in maybe the media, they kind of gloss over that. They think if you're out there, then you should be giving us 100%. But even quarterback with a banged-up thumb on his throwing hands. So, so just, I gave some real nerdy stats. Like his, his yards per attempt last year was 33rd <laughs> among all quarterbacks with 100 dropbacks. There's only 32 teams. Mm-hmm. So he was 33rd. In 21, when he had Devontae Adams, he was sixth best. So like last year. He was, you know, he had fewer completions, yards, and touchdowns than his prior MVP seasons. And, oh, by the way, he played a game more last season than he did those other years. It's just, you know, he's forcing the ball. He's got bad receivers, more turnovers. I think this year I'm looking at 30-plus touchdowns. This team is loaded. Garrett Wilson, if you're a fantasy player, I mean, this guy's a fringe first-round pick. People are talking him up like, you know, he's the next Devontae Adams, and he damn well might be. So, I'm excited for the Jets. I wish I knew more about Brees Hall. Maybe you guys got some insight on that. Uh, but, boy, he's an electric player, too, with the speed he has. I, I'd love to see him at full health. And the defense is legit. I was talking to a buddy in the offseason, and I said, why is no one talking about Sauce Gardner as the betting kind of dark horse for NFL Defensive Player of the Year or defensive mm. or just overall league MVP? But just for Defensive Player of the Year, a lot of times it goes to pass rushers or whatever. Right. The Jets from hard knocks – all the way through the season, are going to be on everyone's mind. They're going to play a million nationally televised games. If the Jets are in first place and Sauce makes a play or two here and there and a pick six, whatever, these guys, nobody watches all these games, all these writers. They just take what one smart guy says, what Peter King puts in his Monday morning quarterback, and they go, oh, I should vote for <laughs> Vaughn Miller. He's the best defensive player. Yes. And then everybody on Monday on their show says, Vaughn Miller should be the MVP or, you know, whoever the guy is that year. But I, I love Sauce Gardner this year. He's a dynamic playmaker on the defensive end. And you know, it's going to be fun. The Jets have to outscore the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Patriots. I mean, that's going to be a division. You've got to win shootouts. You've got to score 30 points a week. So for fantasy, I'm all in with the Jets. We are talking to Pro Football Focus, Sirius XM Fantasy Football Radio Show host, Brian Drake. And you mentioned the Jets. I've been hearing a lot of good things about Jermaine Johnson. As a matter of fact, they're saying that he cut down a ton of fat 
Uh, this guy is built like an ox. Clemens looks really, really good. If anybody's checked Michael Clemens out with his shirt off, he looks beastly. This defense is going to be as explosive as teams like San Francisco, like the Eagles. Everybody keeps comparing these three or four defenses. The Jets are right there with them. Even the Cowboys, where the Cowboys fell apart in the second half last year. The Cowboys don't have the depth that the Jets have. They added Woods. They added guys like that. And they're adding pieces to the weakness that they had last year is stopping the run. As far as Brees Hall is concerned, Brian, Brees Hall looks like he's going to start the season. Israel, uh, the kid that they drafted, I think in the fourth or fifth round, he's. they said today he looked really explosive. I mean, they have so many weapons around the field, like you said. Even look at the tight ends. They're saying Ruckard looks fantastic. He might actually be Conklin out for the job this year. They have a, trem- a really good player at Ohio State. Yes. I remember watching him because Ohio State plays just a million big games a year. And he's a really good player. He can mm-hmm. catch the football. He can block a little bit. Mm-hmm. A lot of these tight ends that come out these days that are you know, the next Travis Kelsey, they can't block a lick like Dalton Kincaid in Buffalo. You know, he's not really a tight end. He's a big slot receiver. Uh, so it's, that's good to see, man. I'm happy – Jets fans, Bills fans. I'm a Jet these fan, guys, but these guys know, I don't been, brag about it. You guys have been down your, like, literally your entire life with how bad these teams have been. So, like, I'm rooting for it. I want to see the Bills win. I want to see the Jets win. I'd love to see the Browns win. Just because the fan base needs it. You deserve it once in a while. I lived through it as an Eagles fan. I knew heartbreak after heartbreak. My it's, second you know favorite what? team. It's, it's fun to win once in a while. <laughs> so I want to ask you about the Eagles because they had an eventful offseason in itself. Did too. they have a – They gave Jalen Hurts that big contract. They, they had all those uh, – Controversial draft picks, but they looked very good when they got them. The bargains that they got in those Georgia Bulldogs. How about Bulldogs they almost the lost Slay and then they extended Slay? Yep. I mean, everybody thought Slay was no longer going to be an Eagle. Now all of a sudden <laughs> he gets an extension. I mean, everything was happening, and they lost their coaches. They lost their defensive coordinator. They lost their offensive coordinator. And everybody says, "Oh, they lost their coaches. They're not going to be the same team." Uh, but uh, I, I think they're even better than they were last year. Yep. Uh, on top of adding DeAndre Swift and all the ch- uh, all the chirping with Chauncey Gardner Johnson over there in Detroit. So and what do you think of all that? And they're not the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles. They're the Philadelphia Bulldogs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you think of some of the other Bulldogs they had on the team. You know, they DeAndre Swift uh, is a Georgia Bulldog and they go with all, all the eight zillion guys on the uh, on the defensive side. And that really the key for the Eagles is going to be uh, their linebacker position. They lost both starting linebackers from last season. So you're going to replace that with N'Kobe Dean, who was the Butkus Award winner two years ago out of Georgia. Love him. He's a really good player. He's a smart guy. And, you know, that other position, we'll see. It's kind of a camp battle to see who that other linebacker is. But at the end of the day, this team can rush the quarterback. They had 70 sacks last year uh, for a defensive coordinator who everybody in Philadelphia hated. Mm. Nobody was mad to see <laughs> Jonathan Gannon, you know, go off to greener pastures. Uh, you know, and you mean Redder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good for him. I mean, it, it, what a uh, – I remember watching them early in the season, and I'm just like, this guy – doesn't know what he's doing. They just had so much talent that it, it just kind of – they couldn't get out of their own way with the schedule they played last year and how they could get after the quarterback. Uh, so this year, though, Sean Desai, a kid who is going to be their defensive coordinator who came over from Seattle, there are people in coaching circles who rave about this young man uh, and, and the way his schemes, now he can get after the quarterback and play better coverage on the back end. Because if you ever watch the Eagles play against a zone, uh, they would just play zone, and these quarterbacks would pick them apart. Two years ago, when that coaching staff first took over, you remember the stretch where I think, like, I want to say it was Derek Carr. Mm -hmm. Went, like, 30 for 30 or something against him. He couldn't miss because they don't cover anybody. But 
you know, outside of that, they've got a great offense. And this is a quarterback league. They have a really good young quarterback. They Love surrounded him. him with weapons, great offensive line. It's a blueprint for what you're supposed to do in the NFL. Get a good young quarterback and then just load up around him. Uh, so it would be another good year in Philadelphia. My son and I were just out for a walk before I came on the show. He's really getting into sports now. And he's like, what do you think the Eagles are going to do? Because they're going into camp <laughs> this week. And I'm like, ah, I think 12-5 and five for the Eagles this year. You know, it's not going to be one of those elite years because their schedule is really difficult. But they'll probably win the division. It's going to come down to you know, them and the Cowboys. But they'll be in the playoffs. And, you know, we'll see. The NFC is not that tough. Cowboys are so overrated. Oh, my God. I don't know why anybody thinks the Cowboys are going. Their schedule is just as hard as the Eagles. They're nowhere yeah. close to the talent the Eagles are. Not even close. And I think the Eagles win 13 this year. I think they're explosive. I think they're going to be fun to watch. They can run the ball. They hit it swift. I mean, they could do everything. And by the way, you look at Sanders. Everybody says, oh, that was a huge loss. He goes to Carolina. We'll see how many touches he gets over there. As Bryce Young will be the everything over there in Carolina. And he, to me, I, as much as everybody says this kid is going to be a star, I can't bet on this kid. I, I really cannot bet on this kid to show up this year at his size where you're playing a faster game and you have to see the ball and release the ball. Is Bryce Young really that good, Brian? Please tell me. Do you think Bryce Young is going to be the play everybody thinks he's going to be? It's tough because, you know, we've seen little guys, you know, like a Kyler Murray come into the NFL and compete. I'm not going to say excel. But, you know, Kyler Murray has flashed. But Kyler Murray's a very different player because he can run. He can scoot around there. You know, Bryce Young is more of a guy who's going to be a point guard back there distributing the ball. It's tough at his size. I mean, he's really, what, 5'8", probably? 150 pounds soaking wet. I know he's heavier than that, but he looks thin, man. He is. He, I weigh 150 pounds. I wouldn't want a, a guy. <laughs> I, you know, I'll be 43 years old. But I, I wouldn't want one of those guys hitting me. They're going to break me in half. You know, it'll be interesting. If he can get the ball out enough and they can orchestrate an offense, their problem right now is they don't have you know, much in terms of skill position players. You know, Adam Thielen's a million years old. I'm not betting on him. <laughs> DJ Chark's kind of a journeyman. I do like the kid Jonathan Mingo that they drafted. Like the kid, too. If, yeah. if I was playing fantasy, and oh, by the way, I do, that's the guy who I would be taking a shot on late in the draft is Jonathan Mingo. Because maybe early in the year, you know, hey, they're running out, uh, you know, that shark Thielen lineup. But by the end of the year, the cream's going to rise to the top. They Adam Thielen is not in your long-term plans, you know. He's like your drunk uncle at a, a <laughs> you know, family reunion or whatever. You're like, oh, he's cool. But then, like, an hour into the party, you're like, all right, en- enough of this guy. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see in Carolina. They've got – They have a great coaching staff, wonderful yes. coaching staff. That's the key. Jacksonville went out and they invested in their coaching staff. And you've got to win that way. It's got to be ownership, GM, head coach, quarterback. All those things need to be in a line. And that's what's hurt the Jets over the years. Yep. I mean, you could attest to that, mm-hmm. where the owner's kind of aloof. He's really not that into it. He's got a million other things that he was doing over the years. Hanging, uh, hanging out know. with Donald. <laughs> yeah, you know, so he's, you know, he's jacking off somewhere. And, uh <laughs> And, uh, you know, they never really had a great G- GM. And, you know, I, I love Joe Douglas now. Yes. Uh, you know, Joe Douglas. Fantastic GM. For a yeah. while with, with, with the Ravens. Uh, and I'm, not, I'm still not sold on Salah. I'm not sold on him at all. Uh, but I think you can mask a lot of that now that they actually have Nathaniel Hackett in there calling the plays. Uh, you know, so he can just focus on the defense, which is what he does. It's very Rex Ryan-like. 
You know, we're Rex, I don't want Rex Ryan touching the offense. Why are you not high on Salah? I mean, the defense, this was his second year as the Jets coach, and he transitioned the offense. They had to get rid of LaFleur. He is horrible. Yeah, he, was he, he was absolutely <laughs> terrible. And their defense became, what, was, what were they ranked the year before, 27th, 28th? They went all the way to a top 10 defense, top 5 defense in less than a year. Robert Sala had a lot to do with it, and we all know what he did with San Francisco. Now with the defense and the additions that they've added in the offseason, they're going to be even better in Robert Sala. So I really think Robert Sala is going to be the future of this team and where this team is going to go. But they have to prove it this year. You have Aaron Rodgers. You have the weapons. There's no excuses for the Jets anymore. You sign Quinn Williams. This is not the same Darrell Revis team where you're sitting at a diner and wondering where Darrell Revis and when Darrell Revis is going to sign a contract on Hard Knocks. Quinn Williams is there. He's there. He's making his money. Now you got to go out and produce. That's all I'm going to say about the Jets. I, I, I love Darrell Revis. He was so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, man, don't he, don't tell Asante Samuel that. This guy, he's out of his damn mind. He's crazy, yeah. man. And and he was on your team. He was an eagle. Yeah, yeah, we brought him over. I mean, he had a great run in New England and won all those those titles. Yeah, he also he, lost he, the he title a, for them too. Yeah, he was a good player for us, and you know that's that's what you get in the NFL these days. Yeah, you know the guys who play on the outside. It's you get some guys who are kind of crazy, and I mean, you look at the guys like the Kadarius Tonys of the world, Tyreek Hills, and they're very exciting for your team when you don't have to listen to them. Some of these guys are complete boneheads, you know, and you're like, holy moly, like how have you made it this far in life? Uh, but, you know, hey, that's the NFL. You take the good with the bad and just hope that your team can make it in one piece to the finish line. So one boom, one bust this year for fantasy and for you in comparison to, like, default rankings. Let's see. Uh, just some players I really like. I, I, let me throw two out at you. One, as obvious, kind of, uh, is – TJ Hawkinson, mm. if you don't want to invest in Travis Kelsey in the first round, because that's where you have to take it. You're going to have to take Travis Kelsey in the top 10, probably top six of your fantasy draft if you want to get him, right? TJ Hawkinson, over the final, like, seven, eight games of the season, was just as good, if not better, in every metric as Travis Kelsey. And now in Minnesota, they, uh, they don't have Adam Thielen anymore, so they have Jordan Addison as a rookie. He's driving 140 miles an hour. Who knows what's going to happen with him? <laughs> But Hawkinson is going to be electric for fantasy. He's going to be the number two option there. And here's a sleeper guy. Nobody wants this guy. You can get him in your last pick of the draft. Remember the name Mike Jasicki mm-hmm. from Miami? Yep. He, he's now with the Patriots. Mm-hmm. They have Hunter Henry, who's kind of, you know, eh, whatever. Can't stay healthy. Right. Mike Jasicki in this offense. Maybe they run a, a lot of 12 personnel. They don't have great receivers on the outside. Mike Jasicki couldn't block, you know, Speedy, if you were coming uh, <laughs> off the edge, right? Don't give him that much credit. <laughs> so, but so what happens here is he's going to go out and he's going to be eating up the middle of the field. What's Mac Jones going to do? He's going to want uh, to find a little blankie, a little security blanket over the middle of the field, red zone threat. I think Mike Jasicki can be that for your team. You don't have to invest anything in him. Put him on your team, second tight end, see what happens later in the draft. Uh, in terms of busts, guys to stay away from. Oh, man. Hmm. You know, it's fun because this is the best time of the year. I kind of like, you like everybody. Everyone's hope kind of springs eternal with some of these folks. I got, uh, you know what? I got to just start looking at some of these rankings here. <laughs> See, who, you know what? Let me, uh, what do you think about Devontae Adams this year? He's the guy who I've called the best wide receiver in football. Mm-hmm. And I, I truly think he is. But he's got Jimmy Garoppolo throwing him the ball now. There's always some dysfunction out there in the desert. 
he doesn't seem super happy to be there. You know, and now, you know, he thought he had something going with Rodgers, and now he's over in the desert, and it was his boy Carr. Carr's out of town. So, I, I don't know. Devontae Adams is a guy you're going to have to spend an early second-round pick to get. Got Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the football. If that doesn't work out, now it's Jared Stidham. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, you know, so, because uh, you can't count on Garoppolo. He'll be traded before the trade deadline, trust me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you guys think of DeAndre Hopkins going to Tennessee? I love it. And I think that puts Tennessee up there in the division, possibly to win over the Jaguars. I, I love the Jaguars, and I love Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to take two steps forward. He could be a top three, top four quarterback this year with the weapons that he has. I think the Jaguars are very interesting, but Tennessee, they still have Derrick Henry. They still have one of the elite defenses in the league when healthy. Their offensive line stays healthy this year, and they can keep Tannehill, yes, Ryan Tannehill, up and and be able to throw the ball. I think Hopkins is going to have another year where there's 1,100 yards. He's going to give you seven, eight touchdowns, and he can give you enough to get you over the hump in that division, which I think winning that division, you need 10 wins. I'm surprised he got that much money, too. Two years and $13 million was not something I was expecting. Well, he played how, how many games last year and had 700 yards? Yeah, yeah, that's the one thing I guess you could count on in a smaller sample size. But, again, he also only played the nine games. Can you trust to stay healthy if you're, the t- if you're any other team, too? I guess DeAndre the Hopkins really five years so ago. Desperate. Five years ago, where, where would you put DeAndre Hopkins as, the elite, as, as an elite wide receiver in the league? Yeah, he's top three for sure. Um, so, and they, and, he's and, a Hall of Famer. Yes, and he, missed, Hall of Famer. and he missed two years. So it's really a year and a half. So if you look at it, he's got enough on his legs where he could go out there. Julio Jones, everybody said, oh, he's going to Tennessee. He's playing with A.J. Brown. This is going to be explosive. Julio Jones was done. He was done yeah. when Atlanta decided to part ways with him. So I don't know why anybody sat here and thought Julio Jones was going to be that explosive. DeAndre Hopkins has at least two, maybe even three more years left on those legs. The guy's elusive. He can catch the ball. He can run every single route. And if you talk about route runners, if you don't think DeAndre Hopkins is a top five route runner in the league, I don't know what you're watching. So he's capable of going out there and putting up the numbers, even with Ryan Tannehill. Hey, Tannehill, by the way, uh, you know, he had a bad season, obviously, last year, and everyone's kind of down on him. Before that, this is a guy who was, you know, putting up decent numbers for fantasy. Ran for seven touchdowns each of the two years before that. Uh, you know, threw for like over three thousand yards each season. People go gaga for Justin Fields. Justin Fields barely threw for two thousand yards last season. I mean, that was embarrassing watching him try to. Who was he throwing so, to? <laughs> yeah, so you know, Tannehill's got weapons now. It kind of diminishes Traylon Burks, diminishes Chigakonkwo as a breakout player for fantasy because you know Hopkins is going to eat much of an offense and they still want to run the ball because that's just the identity of the team so maybe with those two guys you're going to want to bump them down your draft boards a little bit I know the Chigakonkwo hype uh, at tight end is is over the moon right now in fantasy circles but the volume just simply won't be there if you've got DeAndre Hopkins out he's going to command seven eight targets a week on a on an offense that maybe throws it 25 times I am so high on Justin Fields this year. So high on him. I think he's going to be so fun to watch. Uh, the offensive line's better. 
Uh, he has weapons. They added more. I think he has Claypool over there. They actually have weapons. Now, I, I don't think he's going to throw more than 22, 21 touchdowns. I think he could get to 20, 21 touchdowns this year with the weapons that he has. But what makes him so fun to watch is his legs, his explosiveness. And if he has protection, which they added a lot of protection this offseason, yeah, Justin Fields could absolutely be a fantasy beast this year and could be a top three, top four you know, quarterback in this year's uh, fantasy when it comes to fantasy picks. So I love him. I picked him last year. I actually picked him up early in the season, and he was a beast for me. He really was before he got hurt. Yeah, and if they can – you have Roshan Johnson, a kid they drafted mm-hmm. out of Texas, uh, you know, and they've got a, a bevy of running backs, Khalil Herbert and others. Do you know, per fantasy points data, the top four worst defenses last year uh, against the against play action was the entire NFC North. So if you could get, you know, Justin Fields, and you obviously you're going to be wary of his legs, uh, and, and then you're you got that run game going and you, a little play action. He can pull it back, and now you have to respect the pass game with DJ Moore, uh, you know, outside and, and Mooney and, and Claypool. So it could be exciting here. I, again, Bears, another team that their fans have been pissed on for 30 years here. So I'm pulling Bears are the only team in NFL history. They don't have a quarterback that's thrown 30 touchdowns or 4,000 yards. At least they won a Super Bowl in 85. I mean, I wasn't even alive to watch my team win a Super Bowl in 1969. So please, yeah. nobody complain. And- 53 years, I'm 41, and I never got a chance. And I've seen, what, two, eight, three AFC title games and absolutely imploded in all three of them. So, please. Yeah. And, and I have a feeling. Last time the Jets were on hard knocks, and I don't want to talk about the Jets anymore. The last time the Jets were on hard knocks, they went to an AFC title game. And I know everybody says, anybody that's on hard knocks absolutely bombs and never makes the playoffs. The Jets are one of very few teams that has done it. So, I, I believe this only benefits the Jets, even though Aaron Rodgers came out the other day and he says, I know why they did this. And da, 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 da. he says, I'm going to have fun with this, but we all know why the NFL wanted us on here. And I know it's me. And it's true. The only reason why they wanted the Jets yeah. is him. That's it. Because of course. if he was on Green Bay, this would never happen. He would never allow it. But because it's the Jets... And he has an opportunity to be to really refresh his career. If he goes out there and wins the Super Bowl this year or goes to a Super Bowl with this team, he becomes a god. The New York Jets organization will build a statue over there in in uh, uh, Giants, I, you, I'll call it Giant Stadium, MetLife Stadium, but t- to me, it's Giant Stadium. They will build it inside the stadium, inside the middle of the field. I, I'm telling you, it, that's what they would do. I I could see Woody Johnson doing it. So it's it just, it's crazy. I, I Everybody says, oh, now you love Aaron Everybody knows how much I respect Aaron Rodgers and how much I loved him. I've always said that he was better than Tom Brady. I I know everybody is going to argue that. But if you look what Aaron Rodgers could do on the field with nothing, and I'm not saying Tom Brady can't do it either, but Aaron Rodgers could do it with nothing and still put up the number. He had a broken thumb last year on his throwing arm. He still led the NFC in touchdowns, and he only threw 12 interceptions. And everybody says, so he had an off year because he's getting older. Give me a break. He played with a broken thumb. Come on, Brian. Help me out here. I, I think Rodgers is going to have a great season. I, I agree with you. He wanted to be on hard knocks because he loves the fame. 100%. He loves the spotlight. 100%. Of course he does. He's an egomaniac. He wants to have everybody talking about him. And Because the beauty of it is 
he can deliver with this team. Uh, it's tough. I don't know. If I'm him, I don't know if I'd want to come to the Jets and play in that AFC. I mean, that AFC is loaded. But Green Bay wasn't going to trade him to an NFC team. They didn't want to deal with him, you know, in the playoffs. Because Green Bay is still fine with Jordan Love. I think Jordan Love is going to surprise a lot of people this year. And I think mm-hmm. Green Bay, everyone loves Detroit. I think Green Bay still wins that division this year. Wow. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I, I think Jordan Love, you know, if he can get a little something out of these receivers – I like the kid Jaden Reed, who's a rookie they're bringing in this year. Christian Watson is emerging as a big playmaker. They still have the two running backs in, in Jones and Dillon. Uh, they drafted a couple of young tight ends. They're, they're young, so they're kind of turning the next chapter of Green Bay Packers football. Mm. you know. And then they'll find another running back this year. Aaron Jones is getting pretty old. But um, yeah, Green Bay always just rebuilds through the draft. They don't sign anybody in free agency. They're not going to make a trade. They're just going to draft, 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 draft. That also means it, it, they don't they don't bring in free agents because they have Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. They didn't need to. Now, if 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 Jordan Love isn't anywhere close to those two guys, you're going to have to help him around him because he doesn't. And I think Jordan Love's going to be good. I loved when Green Bay moved up and picked him up. I was one of the only guys that actually like Green Bay. People were complaining that Green Bay shouldn't have done that, but they moved up. They got him, and I loved it. I, I think Jordan Love it, being behind Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest quarterbacks of this era, and getting the chance to learn behind him only benefits you. It'll benefit Zach Wilson. I don't know how much, but it'll benefit Zach Wilson playing behind Aaron Rodgers. So I think when 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 you look at Jordan Love, I don't know if he's Aaron Rodgers esque. I don't know if he's you know a Brett Favre type of quarterback. But if he only if he's a I would say, I'm trying to think, a Ryan Tannehill type of quarterback, a little bit better than Ryan Tannehill, and he has the weapons around him, he could succeed. I just don't know if Matt LaFleur and that offense, now that Aaron Rodgers isn't there, if that offense is going to be run, because we know what Mike LaFleur did with this Jets team. It was horrible. I know they didn't have a quarterback, but it was horrible the way he was running his offense. The same offense that Sean McVay and Mike LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan run. And you look at those offenses, and you know what's the one thing all those offenses, when they're clicking, what do they all do best? They run, run the, the football. Mm-hmm. They're all about running. People look at San Francisco and they're like, oh, they got Debo and Kittle on us. They want to run the football. What did when you know uh, the Rams were killing it? What did they do? They ran the football down your throat. They run, and then they you know could throw because they had you know, wide open uh, you know coverage on the outside. Yep. So we'll see if they can do that in, in Green Bay. Uh, you know, that's why this time of year is the best. I love it. Like I said, hope springs eternal. Everyone's zero and zero. Just the weather. Think, you know, sucks. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it was hot as balls up here today. In, in, I live in Syracuse. So balls, man. Usually it's, it's snowing up here. Dude, I mean, it felt like, like my balls were falling off my body today, man. I, the, the, the steam that was coming off my balls. I, I mean, I don't even want to talk on live radio, but come on, guys. I mean... This is disgusting. And people telling me, I love it. I love it. And then this weekend's going to be over 100 degrees on Saturday oh. and Sunday. Are you kidding me? You want to talk? I'm going to walk throughout the, my backyard naked, okay? I am not wearing anything this weekend. I am wearing nothing. So nobody come to my backyard. If you want to see a naked man walk around naked, then you, I advise you not to come to my backyard. So. so for the love of anyone's sanity, yes. do not look at him in the backyard. No, no, I'm naked. I am we naked. We don't need that level of embarrassment. I am absolutely <laughs> naked this weekend, so please 
Uh, take care of you yourself. Know, <laughs> you know what I'm going to do tomorrow? This is, it sounds so lame, but this is what we do in Syracuse. It is like, I'm going to go to the TBT game, you know, the basketball <laughs> tournament. Nobody in America cares about the TBT outside of Syracuse, New York. Like, people here go bananas for it. Like, I'm sure you guys have never talked a second about it on your show, but it's on ESPN. It's yeah. We don't, we do, don't talk whatever. about it, but people in Syracuse go crazy for it. We host games here, and uh, they're like, the Syracuse team, like not only the entire Syracuse University men's basketball team is at the games. Bayheim's at the games. Oh God! The games are broadcast live on the radio. They've got play-by-play guys. They're doing the games. All the SU beat writers are there covering it. It's like Syracuse is playing, you know, in the middle of July. So <laughs> that's what I'm going to do is go watch, you know, a bunch of old Syracuse players uh, run around the uh, Onondaga County War Memorial. Mm-hmm. One last shot at glory. Well, <laughs> but it's not. But it's air conditioned in there. As long as they play the two-three zone, <laughs> it's air conditioned, so Arrow won't be naked there. We're oh, good. As long as there's air conditioning, you will not see me naked. If there is none, I will be naked. I am telling you. If you think I'm kidding, I am absolutely not kidding. I'm barely wearing anything. My studio right here. We have all these computers. We have all this stuff, lights, and everything. We have so much stuff going on. We have TVs going on and everything. It creates heat. And even with the air conditioning throughout the house, I have to shut because it's, it's soundproof. We are in a room of steam. It is. I'm oh. sweating my balls off. It's funny. Whoever's watching this, you can see Errol's got a tank top on. <laughs> I'm in my basement down here. It's negative 12 in my basement <laughs> I would, right now. I'd still I, be wearing this. <laughs> I keep a, So I keep a jacket down here. So whenever I do, like people will watch me do like videos on Twitter or whatever. And they're like, why is he always wearing the same jacket? Because it, it's freezing. And I just keep putting the same like. Zip up sweater on while I'm down here. It's well, you're a hundred. You're 150 pounds soaking wet. I'm 230 yes. pounds. Uh, yeah, I, I would say I'm muscle, but I, I don't. You know, I I you sweat. Jim, I can see it. Yes, see I am a gym guy. I am a gym guy. I absolutely do. I take care. I, I do over 300 push-ups every single day. So. Do you? Yes, really? yes, I do. God bless you. Yes, I do. When did you start doing this? Give me the whole background. Uh well, I was an athlete and I was very thin when I graduated from college i i was a hockey player and, and i was going to move on and play you know i was going to be a professional hockey player i hurt my knee and i then after that i started doing mixed martial arts i wanted to get into the gym i wanted to get bulkier at the age of 18 i started heavily going to the gym didn't do anything don't, don't take any like uh supplements i don't i i really don't i do everything natural and i just started working out and 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 Working out with bigger guys, even guys that did steroids, because I wanted to compete with them. I, and then, you know, I started doing push-ups at the age of 30 every single day, 100 of them a day. And as every five years, I went up a certain amount. And now I'm doing 300 a day, 400 a day. And, uh, you know, throughout the week, I count how many, you know, how many I'm going to put up. And I, if at the last day I could do an extra two or 300, I'll do that. If, if I could break 2,000, 3,000 push-ups or whatever – extra on the weekend, I'll do that as well. So it, it, it keeps me young and it, and it keeps me pumped. And I, everybody says, you got to go to the gym and you got to do that. If you actually do calisthenics at home and do your push-ups and do your sit-ups and do all the stuff that you're doing, you can absolutely, you're 150 pounds. I guarantee you, I could get you to 200 pounds in a year. I don't need to be all that, but I, you know what? But I'm, you're healthy. I, I mean, you're healthy. Like, you're healthy. 
you know, I, I, I don't know if you ever read like the David Goggins books. He says in his books, he was talking to some guy and the guy's like, David, I don't have time to go to the gym and I can't afford it, blah, blah. And his line back to him was, you got a floor? <laughs> like you can do push-ups, you 100%. can do sit-ups, you could do, you know, whatever, air squats. Herschel you Walker. Get- Herschel Walker never went to a gym in his life. Did, did, does anybody know what Herschel Never Walker looks like? Either, but that's another story. Yeah, oh, that's true too. <laughs> the guy did three thousand push-ups a day. Oh my god! Three thousand push-ups a day, and that's a fact. How many guys. do you do in a in a setting here? Like when I do, I do like sets of twenty-five. Cause um, without stopping, the most I have ever done is one hundred and twenty-one. And like when full. you're doing your 300 a day, do you go like, all right, I'm going to do 50 at a time? And take I, uh, and 70, I, I try to do, you know, between 65 and 70 at okay. a time. And, and I, I get full, full down. And, and even when I'm done with my 70, I try to do negative. So I don't go all the way up and I try to pump it out until it burns. I give myself 30 to 40 seconds and I go down and, and do another. So I, I try to, you know, really give that blood flow through my body and then I try to drink my water, I, even though I hate water, by the way. Ladies and gentlemen, I am the least water drinker in the country. But if you put a little Mio in there and yet you have a little bit of a taste, it'll give you a reason to drink it. So that's what oh, I yeah. do. <laughs> I got some of that stuff, the, the BCAA, yes. the amino acid, yes. and it turns it blue. I got some of that and for hydration. and uh, I got into it for a while when I was... This I was much younger. I'm sure this is riveting to your audience out there. Me, you know, going to the gym. But I got into it. And I started lifting with this guy who was I don't know, he's a former Marine or something. He was some young kid. He was at the gym the same time I was all the time. So we just started, you know, kind of working out together. He got me to my max. I did 220. Was it 225 double plates on both sides? Mm-hmm. So it was 45 pound bar double plates. Yep. And I did that rep for like two or three. That's pretty and good. I, and, uh, that was amazing. For me, because I was at that point, maybe I was weighing 160, but that was nuts. That's pretty good, and man. I I do, you know, the NFL. Now I can't do the bench. Forget it. It'll yeah. hurt my back. Yeah, everybody, say, everybody looks at me, and they say, don't lift up heavy. And I don't really. The other day I did 305. I did it like 10 times, 11 times. But an NFL player, they you know, at the combine, they do 225, as many as they can. If yeah. you were to put me, if I didn't do any push-ups and I was, you know, just going to the gym to do one one set, I probably could do 225 about 32 times, 33 times wow. without stopping. And I could do it. And everybody says, no, you can't. I'd say, Anybody wants to make a bet, I'll do a challenge. I'll post Dave, it up on social media. Social media challenge. Please, I will do it on going. a social media. If people don't think I could do it, I'll do it. I'll post it so everybody can see. And then they know I'm not bull, you know what. So I, I'm I don't not know. You better watch out for those X bots that Elon Musk is coming with. Yeah. You know, you know what it is? I, I, I just think it's so funny what's going on in the world with social media and how they think. Because this person has over 62,000 people that follow him, which, by the way, nobody likes their stuff. And somebody like, let's say, me, who has, who's not on a national stage yet, who has almost 7,000 people following me. And I don't post anything but my clips that Speedy posts up on our social media mm-hmm. and don't really do anything. How they could say, hey, I'd rather the guy that has 62,000 people but nobody likes their stuff than a guy like me who is drawing people because I'm just crazy and I know what I'm talking about. Or you love to hate. So, I don't know. Social media is tough, man. It is, man. I, well, Elon Musk's a moron. There's a million ways you can go. I that, will give you an A plus on that. For You cannot, and I, I work in sales and marketing. You do not take a product that someone knows 
and it has a brand awareness in the culture and just say, we're going to change the name. Remember when like, they tried to roll out New Coke <laughs> and then failed miserably? Yes. They're like, how about you just mentioned it? Giant Stadium. Mm-hmm. It's been MetLife Stadium for 10 years. Yep. What does everybody call it? Oh, it's Giant MetLife. Stadium. I call it Giant Stadium. It's the same thing with any of that. Staples Center. It's not the Staples Center anymore. It's some other bullshit. You're like, <laughs> you know, it's, but you're never going to, no one's ever going to call it that. You know, like Comiskey Park. No, it's, what is it, Guaranteed Rate Field or whatever it is now? <laughs> like, it's terrible. They did it here in Syracuse. Yeah. What, ask anybody who, who calls into your show, where do the Syracuse Orange play? What are they going to say? Is it the Carrier Dome? Mm. You know, they're, they're going to say the JMA Wireless Dome. You can't. No, I never heard your, that either. <laughs> what? Yeah. You can't change the name of a brand that already exists and it, and it has a consciousness in, you know, our, our day-to-day lives. Like, what are you going to say? I, I'm on here right now. It still says, if you want to tweet, it still says the big blue button says tweet. Like, he's just, this whole company is so poor. Can someone please buy it off him? <laughs> But I will say this, Twitter uh, is where you want to be when it comes to this business. If you want to interact with athletes and movie stars and musicians, it's Twitter. Instagram is just a picture-loving thing. I, I, I have no idea why people love Instagram so much and how, why it's so very important to anybody. And the TikTok crap, I, we post stuff on TikTok not because we want to. It's just because we have to. It, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I, TikTok doesn't work for me as an older guy mm. because it, there's no landing page. I agree with you. It's just you, you open up TikTok, it's like boom, ba boom, ba boom, ba boom, ba boom. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I just need somewhere to go. <laughs> like, give me categories. So, you know, TikTok's, there's three categories. It's like funny stuff, chicks and bikinis, or sports. That's pretty much all TikTok is, right? Mm-hmm. Or like someone getting hit in the nuts. So, like, we could try it's that. America's funniest oh, home videos on an app. That's what TikTok. I wonder is. if I stuck a bottle in my ass and different bottles in my ass, and and I had made it explode or something like that. That would blow our TikTok up. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 guess I guess it's better it than you being naked, but that's another. Oh, well, that 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 might draw people too. Twitter, forget <laughs> about it. trying to trying to get anything viral or anything with any legs on Twitter these days is impossible. It, it's mm. so hard to do because. You don't need to follow anyone on any of these social media, but Instagram, Twitter, whatever. They put people in front of you. There's the For You tab. The algorithm's just going to spit everything in your face. You notice, like, most of your friends on Instagram, they don't post all that much. Mm-hmm. So all you're seeing are, are ads and curated content for you. Same with Twitter. Like, I can go to this For You tab right now on my screen. It's a bunch of, you know, jack-offs that I don't follow and probably for a reason. But I'm seeing all their stuff from the last two days. And, you know, why would anyone go search me out and try to hit follow? It's like, why? I can just go to this tab. It's going to bring me everything that's relevant for the day. You know, so it hurts content creators like us. Mm. You know, I I just I think the world needs to figure out what social media is good for and what it's not. And in this business, for anybody to think social media is helping bring in promotion and, and endorsements for some of the guys or some of the talent that really deserves an opportunity to go out there and go on a national stage, well, then these executives and these directors need to open up their eyes and realize that it's not working. Dan Lebitar came out and said it. He said that ESPN has always been known to bring in new talent and talent that really could take it to in the next level. Why they change this and why they decided to go another way is because they're being lazy. It's called laziness. Go out there. 
bring in new talent, bring in the guys that you believe can change the industry for the better. And I, I do believe we are uh, a show that can change the industry because I think we, we have the knowledge. We have the opportunity to, to, to put out content that is a little crazy. If I had enough time to you know, challenge myself to eat a bowl of spaghetti and meatballs during my show while I am talking sports, I probably do it. As a matter of fact, I'll probably throw up in the bowl after I'm done with it. But nevertheless, we really appreciate you, Brian. You're fantastic. Keep up the good work. We love you. Uh, you have one of the best voices. I, I, I've I told this to Speedy. We've interviewed so many people, over three, four hundred people, and and I, I've said it off air. You have one of the best voices when it comes to uh, radio and the ability to put out a product and content that people want to listen to. So keep up the good work, my friend. I, I appreciate that. I don't like the sound of my own voice. Mm. I cringe when I go back and listen to some of my pods. Mm. <laughs> You know, like uh, I just did a Justin Herbert video today on my Twitter at Drake Fantasy. Uh, and I'll, let me pose this question to you about Justin uh, Herbert, and then I'll get out of here. Go ahead. Would you rather have Justin Herbert's hair or his bank account? Bank account. <laughs> ah, Pete, you got good hair. Uh, I have a lot of hair, too, so I'll say the bank account, too. So the bank account could help fix the hair if it ever got. I mean, look stuff. at his muff. You ready? Ready to see this? Look at his Let's muff. See. Really? I, I thought you were a guy with. Oh, see, you always wear a hat. I thought you were a guy with a shaved head. No, 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 no. I, I, I get. Believe it or not. Believe it or not, I get a haircut every Friday, man. I have my Do barber. You? Yeah, dude, 35 bucks, dude. 35 bucks oh every single God. week. You're a Long Island guy for sure. Dude, dude, dude. Every Friday. No, man. I, I get a design. <laughs> I have my own design that I get put in my hair. And people say, why do you do that? You're 41 years old. Listen, man, when you go out in public, you want people to recognize who you are as a person, not because you're just some plain guy. And I don't want anybody to say, oh, that's the guy in the ring. I just want people to realize that I do the things that I want to do just because I want to do it, not because I want to be like everybody else. Wait, so, so you have a special design? In the- mm-hmm. I got to see this. What is it? Let me see. Uh, it's, I don't know if it, it grows so fast, but it goes. It, it's, it's right over here. You know what I'll do? I, I, I'm going to do this for you. When uh, I get it put in on Friday, I'm going uh-huh. to... Take a picture of it. I'll have my barber take a picture of it, and I'll have Speedy send it to you. I so. love it. Yes, that's tremendous. It, I remember it's like a bolt. A it's like a bolt. Uh, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I used to do the, when I was a little kid, the spiked hair with, like, the two lines on the side. Yeah. Kind of thing. My, in, my bolt know. goes all the way into the back of my head, and it, it looks clean, so it looks like it fills into my hair. So everybody loves it. And, and, and people say, what does that stand for? It stands for kiss my ass. That's what it stands for. <laughs> That's great, man. I got see when I'm doing these shows, like people always like, oh, you have good hair. You know, it's dark. I'm in my basement and all that, and you can't see the you know the balding spot in the back and all that. And then my dad was bald at 18, so I'm mid 40s. I'm doing all right for myself. Well, you know um, what's so no, funny? I, everybody I looks at everybody hair. looks at my like they they look at my tats and they say, oh, you 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 should be wearing a t-shirt. You should be listen. I do that all the time, and when it's hot, I'm going to wear it, and I don't care. I, every single thing that I do, I want to be myself. If Pat McAfee could do it, and if everybody else in the industry could do it, why can't I? What makes him different from me, and what makes that person or that person or even that woman different than me? Okay, If they're allowed to show cleavage, why can't I show some cleavage? Okay? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. You remember years ago when they were like, oh, you can't show your tattoos. Yeah. Yep. You go to work, you got to wear long sleeves. 100%. Nobody cares about that anymore. Nobody. 
Nobody. If if you're going to go out there and be yourself, they don't give a – listen, if I walk the streets right now and somebody saw my tattoos, they're going to be like – everybody that sees when, when, I, when I have my tattoos out in public, when I go to these events, even the athletes come up to me. He's like, where'd you get that? He's like, tell me the tattoo artist. I want, I want to get – I want to cop one. You know, so it, it, I, everything that I do, it, it strategically – I do it to, to stand out for who I am and, and what makes me different from everybody else. So just please don't get a Cody Rhodes neck tattoo. No, nothing goes on my neck. Nothing goes on my face. Nothing goes on anything. And honestly, I'm done with tattoos. I I have a couple of them on my arm. I have uh, I have a couple of them on my chest for my father who passed away and my grandfather. And I have one that says Sempify on my my back. Very small. It says uh, uh, right under my neck and right on the top of my back. It says Sempify, which means loyalty. Everybody says it's a Marine saying, but it's actually an English saying. I, I, I got attacked all over social media, by the way, Brian, because, really? yes, attacked by everybody. says, you're not a Marine. You shouldn't be putting that on anybody. I say, hold on one second. Marines took that word from the English. That had nothing to do with Marine Corps until they took it and they used it for themselves. So stop it. You don't even know what you're talking about. Actually, I told somebody to bug off. And if you if you want to if you if you want to talk to me in person, I'll meet you in person. And you can talk to me. And, and, and I said, Are you a Marine? Why are you arguing about this? He says, I'm not. My grandfather was. I said, That has nothing to do with you. Shut up. So people are yeah, idiots. I got nothing. Petey, you got any tattoos? I do not. He's going to get one if the Mets Is win the he? World Series. Yeah, <laughs> like that's going to happen. He's going to get a polar hey, well, bear on his chest. They're taking care of the Yanks tonight, so they're back. Oh, yeah. Back, they're, they're only uh, six games under uh, under 500 now. Yeah. My Great. son is such a, a Yankees fan. He's, and he's up I'm a Yankee like, fan, too. He's like, we need Judge back. He's like, the Yankees stink. Judge has he's nothing like, they're to losing to the Mets. <laughs> it's like nothing's lower than losing Even the with Judge, they're right now, the, the lineup is just not producing. It has nothing to do with Aaron Judge. Yeah, it's, that's nothing. They never can hit. No. They haven't hit since the 90s. Please. The problem, too, is they, 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 you want to play home run derby with that little right field porch. And I went to a game a couple of weeks ago, and, I mean, this was a triple-A outfield out there with the guys that they had. And I'm just like, how in the world is this the outfield the New York Yankees are putting out here right now? Like, who is the guy they had in, in right field? I think he had a home run that day. Bauer? Wait, he's not. Well, Bauer was out there. What the hell is it? McKinney? Guy? He's like, he's five foot six. Mm. And he plays right field for him a little bit. Um, uh, what the hell is the guy's name? It's not Cabrera. Is it Cabrera? No, he's a journeyman guy, but. It was McKinney. I think it's McKinney that you're talking about. He's no. the journeyman. If you said the name, I'd look it up. But either way. But they, I mean, they got to get a left fielder. But mm. I think they're looking at it right now. They're like, depending on when Judge comes back, we can't sit here and, and trade assets to get a left fielder to be the last wild card team and then lose in the first round. And then we right. just gave away some young. Like, who cares right. at that point? So, Greg uh, Allen, yeah, is that the one you're thinking of? What's that? Greg Allen, is that the one you're thinking of? No. I'm just trying to think I, of Now I got to figure uh, out who this jabroni was. But, oh, I like it. Jabroni. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Those are all the outfielders. We got him to curse on the show. We have done our job, Speedy. He is coming out. Brian Drake is coming out. He's coming out to the wild side. We don't call it the dark side. We call it the wild side. All right. The only other hitter that's under six foot is their backup catcher, Ben Hortvet. I don't even know. He got in the bat tonight. Okay. Uh, Let me see. Let me. Who the hell is this guy? I remember when I was at the game, they had him on the screen. I'm like. There's no way this guy's really on the team at, at five seven or whatever. Maybe they sent him down already. Um, Probably. There's no nobody on the active roster below five yeah, nine. No, they must have sent him down. Mm. 
All right, 40 man roster investigation time. <laughs> that roster, that lineup is just horrible. It, it is horrible. It, and everybody wants to say, uh, get rid of Brian Cashman. This isn't Brian Cashman's fault, okay? Uh, it, the lineup last year worked. The same, pr- practically the same lineup worked last year. Oh, here you go. Calhoun's 5'8, isn't it? Willie Calhoun. Okay, yeah, he's, hurt. he's on the IL right now. Okay. Yeah, 5'8, 205 pounds. Mm. Interesting. Playing right field for your New York Yankees. Good Lord. His Anyways. New York Yankees. I, had to, I have to suffer with the 16 daughter 500 team. <laughs> Brian, we All don't right, want to well, bother I you anymore. We don't. No, you didn't waste our time. We love you, man. Happy to have you on for as long as you've been on. And uh, keep up the good work. And uh, like I said, anytime you want to come on, you're more than welcome to come on. Thank you, fellas. Appreciate it. We'll get on during the season. We'll, uh, we'll see how these Jets do after the hard knocks. Let's hope. Let's only pray and hope that they produce this year, okay? Yeah. Brian Drake, ladies and gentlemen, pro football focus and serious XM Fantasy Football Radio show host. He's fantastic. Mm-hmm. See you guys. Yes, have a good one, man. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And, and by the way, Jeff is attacking me. Of course, Cashman is not at fault. Blah, 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 blah. Da, 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 da. Jeff is just going to attack everything. Everything he does. You know what it is? Is I, again... Always believe that somebody is going to knock everything that you say. And Jeff's one of those guys that will knock everything that you're going to say. If it has something to do with New York, he will hate on it. If it has anything to do with the NY, except the Mets, okay? He will bring up the Mets and Alonzo and beep, 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 beep. Jeff, call back in a little while, okay? We'll get you on in a little while. You can yap your big mouth and attack everything that I've said tonight because that's what you do. And I have no problems you attacking me because I love attacking you back. But we have a couple of more things to get into. And then, yes, you can call the show and absolutely dominate the conversation as you do. Odell Beckham. Yes, did you hear that? Odell Beckham told... The Athletic, that I'm thinking like this might be my last year. Beckham also mentioned he was contemplating retiring after his knee injury after he suffered it in Super Bowl 56. Beckham signed a one-year $15 million contract with the Ravens that could be $18 million with incentives. OBJ, OBJ mentioned the Ravens were... Not his first choice because they always whooped our ass when he was on the Browns. The Bills, Cowboys, Giants had interest in signing him last season during the the regular season, but never got the deal done. Beckham has 531 catches for 7,367 yards and 56 touchdowns in nine NFL seasons and 96 NFL games. I believe Odell Beckham can give you nine touchdowns. I believe Odell Beckham can give you 1,100 yards on that Baltimore Ravens team. You have now finally weapons that you can open up the offense for Lamar Jackson. You have arguably a top three tight end on that team, who's been their number one, number two, and number three for the last couple of years. They have a running game. They have, a, I think, a tandem of running backs that can help 
take pressure off of Lamar Jackson. And I believe that if Lamar Jackson played against Cincinnati in the first wild card game, you heard it here, they would have won. They would have knocked out Joe Burrow and that Cincinnati Bagel team that went to the AFC title game. Uh, yes, Snug. He is 31 years old right now, Odell Beckham. So he's starting to rebirth himself in that way. But he did a nice job with the Rams before his injury. Yes, so he did. He definitely has He would have been the MVP of the Super Bowl. Most likely on the pace he was on. And that's why I think you look at him thinking this way now. He got that kind of money, which I don't think a lot of people expected the Ravens to give him that kind of money. And he even admitted, like, I wasn't even expecting the Ravens to be the team that paid me that kind of money. Because look at the three teams that were gunning for him at the end of the season last year were the Giants going back, Dallas, and the Buffalo Bills. And the Bills had the most uh, rumors on them because all the players were trying to recruit him too. And there he is close with Von Miller and a bunch of those other ex uh, current Bills players. So I, it was surprising that it was the Ravens too, but you wonder if the, he's really content with the money that he got and of getting him and making that statement. But you're right. He definitely still could play, and he's definitely going to get enough targets to prove that he can still play. And, and with what Baltimore is going to do defensively this year, if they could give you at least a top 12 offense with this defense, because Baltimore is going to be a top 8, top 7 defense in this league. They're, they're so good defensively. They have weapons all over the field defensively. The way they like to rush the quarterback, the way they like with their secondary, they have a ton of secondary help. Hamilton in his, what, second year as a safety. Remember, in the first half of the season, Hamilton looked like crap. So did Marcus Williams. Too. Yes. And then in the second half... They completely changed, and they became a different team. And Marcus Williams was the big acquisition that they made from the Saints th- that year and, and really just didn't produce, made a lot of mistakes in the secondary. But in the second half of the season when Baltimore needed to produce, even with a backup quarterback in the last, what, eight games, seven games, they did enough defensively with their kicker to to get them where they needed to go in the playoffs. And they had a chance to beat a Cincinnati Bengal team that just didn't play well against the Baltimore Ravens defensively. Also, the Ravens are going to need some production with the outside pass rushing, too, because they had a lot of injuries there last year. They had a little bit of a spark in the, in the second half of the season with Justin Houston kind of rebirthing himself to what he was with the Chiefs. That helped the Ravens' defense in the second half. But, but because before that, they really had nothing with the edge rushers. They tried bringing in Jason Pierre-Paul. They worked for a couple games. That didn't really pan out. They uh, first uh, second-round pick in David Ojabo was hurt the whole year, so that didn't really work. Uh, the kid away from Penn State, who was their first-round pick in 2021, was good. But they have enough everywhere. Else, their middle linebacker is great, especially training now for Roquan Smith. Their interior defensive line is very good. Now, the free agent defensive pickups is more what's hurt the Ravens more. Like you were saying with Williams, they just cut Marcus Peters this offseason. I think he went to the Raiders or something like that. He didn't work out. And their new offense, new defensive coordinator replacing Wink, he's got to be a little better too because they also had a lot of blown leads in the fourth quarter last year, double digits. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And honestly, if the Ravens had. Lamar Jackson, they probably would have put a 30 spot up in the wild card game. Because their defense, the Bengals' defense in that wild card game did not play well. They played a, a second string, really a third string quarterback that actually made it to the Pro Bowl last year because nobody <laughs> wanted to play. Okay? That, what did they play? Two hand touch? What yeah, did they play? That uh, was your, flag football? <laughs> that was uh, Jeff's stupid argument of, oh, Tyler Huntley is a better quarterback than Dak. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. If the, if the Ravens had any type of quarterback, any number one present quarterback, 
especially Lamar Jackson, the way that defense was playing in that game. And, yes, everybody says they made that stop at the goal line. Look at the way they ran the ball up. If, if Lamar Jackson did that, they score. Okay? Lamar Jackson wouldn't have done that. And he has a tremendous amount more speed than Hunter, okay? Not only that, it's a very fluky play as it is. Like, what are the odds of fumbles going to happen on the one-yard line anyway? But the, the Bengals' defense just didn't show up in, in the first game of the playoffs. They really didn't. And they should have been eliminated. But, you know, it, you know things happen, and, and we've seen this before. And that's what makes this, this season so interesting because it's so wide open in the AFC because there's so much talent. And that's why Odell Beckham, this could be his last year. If he produces and puts the numbers up, why would he retire? He's making $18 million in incentives. If he hits his incentives, why not play another year and make another contract like that with somebody else? Yeah, and also the one Hopkins just got, too, playing half a season. He still was able to cash in. He got $13 million a year. Odell could definitely get that. Odell's he- just talking. You know why Odell is talking? Because he's not sure if he's going to be able to produce the numbers that they paid him for. So he is speaking because if he doesn't produce the numbers, he says, well, you know, I I really didn't want to play this year. I I really just needed the money this year, and that's why I came back. Of course. You're not going to hear, well, you know, I I believe I was going to go out there and give you 13 touchdowns and give you 1,300 yards. If he does it, he'll brag about it. If he doesn't, he says that he's done. That's why Odell Beckham did that, because he doesn't want the pressure on him. He was breaking records. Everybody thought he was going to break Jerry Rice's record. He's not the... The guy, the he's the odd man out now when it comes to those wide receivers, those explosive wide receivers like Devontae Adams and now Garrett Wilson. This is the problem right now with, with guys like Odell Beckham. They're going to speak and people are going to listen because of who they are. Right, and again, the target share is there if he's healthy. It's just a matter of is he actually going to have that kind of recovery from the knee injury too. And that's why it was surprising that an A-team took a chance on it for $15 million. But like we were saying about Hopkins before, like Tennessee was like so far low on the wide receiver total bowl they had to try it. And same kind of thing with the Ravens. They drafted Zay Flowers this year, which could help, fine. They had Andrews, who's great, but they have had nothing at the wide receiver position because they keep bringing in a bunch of old guys. Yahoo Sports reports that Jim Harbaugh will be suspended for the first four games of the season due to multiple recruiting violations. Harbaugh reportedly received a level one recruiting violation and four level two violations for not cooperating with the NCAA enforcing policies during his recruiting process during the COVID dead period. The violations include alleged illegal contact with recruits, during the NCAA-mandated dead periods, as well as the use of defensive analysts for on-field coaching activities, which is rules of the violations. Harbaugh was formally interviewed by the Vikings last season and was also contacted by the Dolphins, Raiders, and Broncos for their coaching positions. Harbaugh is 74-25 and in eight seasons at Michigan and has made a college football playoff each of the last two seasons. Michigan's first four games are all at home and are against East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers. Four teams they should win. Okay, UNLV is probably the best team out of all of those teams. East Carolina. Rising program, but it's still not Rutgers is not going to do anything. They always play Michigan tough, though, weirdly enough. And and Bowling Green, give me a break. I I mean, UNLV is the only team that's honestly half decent and and probably is probably going to win 
11 games, 12 games this year. I mean, seriously. So I, I, I think, and I'm not a college guy. I'm not like Jeff. I'm not like you, Speedy. I'm going to sit down and narrate what's going to happen in the college football season. But what I will say is that's not going to hurt Michigan, and it's not going to hurt them making a ball game this year. Okay, it's not. And, and they could make the Final Four again this year. They have a tremendous recruiting class. They have a great quarterback, and they have a great defense. And that's what helps you win, you know, in college. And you can run the ball. They always have good running backs. Yeah, I'm not worried about the actual suspension hindering them that much. What I think is more of the thing with Harbaugh is now a second-time repeat offender. Type Who cares? Thing, so. Honestly, it, it might way- hurt them down the road is what I'm thinking. <laughs> Now there's really no violations because you can pay players. Well, yeah. The violations, I think, were more stemmed mostly from that 2020 year because they were negotiating with the wrong time. It's the same kind of thing with any type of tampering period that we talk about in a professional This is his last year in Michigan. I do not believe he will stay after this year. I know he renegotiated his deal. He's making a ton of money. I expect him cold-heartedly that no matter what happens, if he makes it, to the Final Four again this year, and they come up short. He's done with Michigan. He's going to move back to the NFL. He was thinking about it last year. He just didn't like the position that he was going towards. Hmm. If the Broncos, I mean, he interviewed for the Broncos job. He didn't want the Broncos job. He interviewed for the Vikings job last season. He didn't want the Vikings job. And I don't blame them for not wanting to coach the Raiders. <laughs> the Dolphins, there's no way he's going to the Dolphins. The Raiders, so I, I think when the right team becomes available, he will pounce. I I believe that. If Jerry Jones decides to part ways with that coaching staff this coming season, after a good season, bad season, or they just fall apart in the playoffs, (laughs) I can absolutely see Jerry Jones reaching out to Jim Harbaugh and saying, you know what, I want to bring you here. I want you to change everything. Uh, I'm going to give you all the opportunities to go after the players that you need to help you get over the hump to get you get this team where it needs to go because we haven't won a championship <laughs> since the damn nineties. I haven't made an NFC championship game since the nineties. They I are mean, one of they are one of only I think seven teams that haven't made a twenty first century national or NFC or AFC championship game. I, I just think Jim is going to probably part ways with Michigan. I, I'm telling you, guys, why would he interview for that job? Why wouldn't he, if he if he thought he was going back to Michigan or he was so sure he was going back to Michigan? Why did he interview for all those jobs? Flashy owners. <laughs> no, he interviewed because he's interested. He's intrigued. He wanted to see their pitch to him, and then they wanted to see his pitch to them on where he sees that team. He just didn't. I bet you he didn't feel the way they felt on where the team and the process is going. And he just said, you know what, I'm going to. Wait until the right position opens up for me where I can go to that team and become more of a face of that organization. Yeah. He's not that. Kyle Shanahan went to San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan went to San Francisco because he knew he was going to be a face of that organization. He brought John Lynch there because John Lynch is his friend, and he trusts that John Lynch will stay back and let him be the face of that organization. So I believe that, too. Because John Lynch is a quiet guy. He, yeah. He was always a quiet guy in the field. He was a great player. He was a safety in the league and a Hall of Famer. You know? And I think John Lynch is the type of guy that just sits back. He knows what he's doing. He understands the league. He understands the game. And he understands the transition of the game. And he said, you know what, Kyle, this is your ride. I'm just going to jump on the back and ride with you. So 
and he's catered to that offensive style too that he's brought over there too. And you wonder if that kind of thing would happen if Mich- if Harbaugh decides to leave Michigan and go back to the NFL with the prowess he had. The problem is again, it's a different style what he's playing at Michigan and what's working today's NFL. So we'll see if it transitions. We love Brian Drake, and that's why Brian was on for an hour with us <laughs> yep. because uh, he gives us good content. He knows what he's talking about, and uh, I, he's a good. I I I think Brian would be fantastic for this show because he gives oh, yeah. so much outlook to not just football but he'll he'll give you out because he's a big sports fan he loves all sports and he's he's just got i i always thought he had a great voice always had a great voice and i i think that's why Sirius radio has him on and that's why obviously pro football focus loves him pro football focus is one of the biggest organizations in the industry right now and he's one of the guys he's one of the faces of of their fantasy football so that that's that's a big oh, yeah. That's big. So we we love Brian. Snug. Anchorage Man is on vacation right now. He said for me to contact him again in August. So there's still a shot, Snug. We're going to get him. It's, <laughs> he said he's on, on vacation. He Listen, anytime somebody could come on the show and argue his points because he knows that we're going to argue with him, he'll come on. And I believe he will be. All right, let's get into some basketball. <laughs> Jason Glushin. Of Glushin Sports Management reports that Jalen Brown just signed a five-year, $304 million Supermass contract with the Celtics. Brown's deal is the largest deal in NBA history, surpassing a five-year and $276 million signing by Nikola Jokic last season. Brown will still play. On his last year of his previous contract, worth about $31.6 million next season, the extension begins in 2024 and is worth about $52.3 million per year. Brown averaged 26.6 points per game, 6.9 rebounds per game, and 3.5 assists per game last season. Brown had a 49.1% field goal percentage, a 33.5% three-point percentage, and a 76.2% free throw percentage. Brown earned this contract after being named second team All-NBA. Jason Tatum is eligible for even a larger contract, being he was a first team All-NBA player. The Celtics would have to pay over $130 million combined to Porzingis, Brown, and Tatum starting in 2024. These three players are the future. They are the future of the Boston Celtics. If Boston does not produce a championship with these three guys, it's going to set the team back for the next couple of years. I I am not a huge Jalen Brown fan because he disappears in the playoffs. He's done it before. And so I I, I obviously would would rather Jason Tatum. And I know Jason Tatum's going to get paid like that too. He's going to make like $350 million, maybe even more than that, maybe closer to $400 million. He's that type of player, and I love him. And without Jason Tatum in the playoffs, I do not believe the Celtics would have even made it to the NBA Finals. Jalen Brown is a guy that I just don't know if it works with Jason Tatum. When it comes to the big game... One guy shows up, the other one doesn't. And when they do show up together, they're missing a piece. Now, they think that Porzingis is that piece, offensively, that could get into the paint and dominate in the paint, something everybody keeps saying that the Celtics didn't have problems doing 
all season long, which they beg to differ because they needed the rebounding and they needed the offense from a guy that could shoot around the perimeter as well as any one of those guys and that could go to the free throw line and average, I think, almost 80% at the free throw, free throw line. By the way, Porzingis is a better free throw shooter than Jalen Brown. And this is a guy that's making the biggest contract. He's got, he was offered and signed the Supermax biggest contract in NBA history, a guy that's shooting 76.2% at the free throw line. And everybody's going to say, well, what about LeBron James? He is not LeBron James. <laughs> he is not LeBron James. And any stupid Boston fan out there, you heard it, I said it, any stupid Boston fan that thinks that he is, you're an idiot. I like Jalen Brown. I finally became somewhat of a fan of his. When he was drafted, Mikey C was skeptical on him. Mikey C's skeptical about everybody. No, but he, not with the Celtics. <laughs> Fair enough. Not with the Celtics. Mikey C always preached about the Celtics. Anything the Celtics did, he was very happy about. There was a couple of things that he didn't like. And I remember it, if I could go back on some of the things that he was complaining about, one of them was Jalen Brown and, and the way they, they, they deciding to draft. I think he was number three in the draft. Yes, he was. And he said that he would have went somewhere else. He, I've spoken to Mikey C. He said that Jalen Brown has surprised him, and I would say the same about me. I, I did not think Jalen Brown was this good. But when you're making that kind of money, I'm not paying a guy $304 million if you're a 76.2% free throw shooter. That's a huge problem. You got to be at least 80%. At least. But again, what do I know, right, Jeff? What do I know? <laughs> I don't know nothing. Well, you, you know more than these, uh, some of the Celtics coaches that were making some weird in-game adjustments in the playoffs. Well, you know, I, I think me and you could coach this team. Honestly, this is a good team. The Celtics yeah. are a good team. Right. They're a well-built team. And yes. that's, that's, that's the big thing. Brad that, Stevens that's and the, Danny Ainge. Yeah, that's the thing that Brad Stevens is going to have to trust that entirety of his process in doing is now that you're investing $130 million combined in all three of those players in certain years, obviously it'll just distribute based on the actual length of the contract and per year what it'll be. It might even be more in certain years. But even so, you're going to have to trust in a lot of late-round hits from these these Celtics players, and we've seen that. They've had some good bench players that have worked for them in this current system right now because I don't think right now Missoula has changed a lot with from what Adoka did and mm-hmm. what Brad Stevens did tremendously. It's a lot of the same types of offense, but at the same time, we've also seen Jalen Brown have some flaws in his game that still haven't really been fixed in the longer term yet. Like Jeff was saying all throughout the playoffs, ball handling when the point guards had to take a break or the point guards had to be more defensive, he couldn't really do it as well. Sometimes he gets too aggressive with the three-point shooting, and that's a lot on the decision-making too. And when Tatum is not on his game and Brown is still not that player you want him to be, then the Celtics' depth is tested, and that's a lot harder to do against these other deep teams in the Eastern Conference. And Mikey C. will be making his return in the next couple of weeks. He will be coming Uh, on the show. We have been speaking about it. We're working on something, and uh, he wants to come on a little bit more than usual because uh, he misses it. So, yes, Snug, Jeff, Mikey C., 
will probably be coming back here and there, maybe once a month. We're working on something. Uh, we've been talking, and uh, hopefully soon uh, Mikey C. will be making his return. He said in the next couple of weeks. So he's in the Dominican Republic right oh, wow. now, yes, with his son. So uh, looking forward uh, to seeing Mikey when he gets back. So he'll be back next week. John says, I'm not paying $300 million when you go from 25 points to 18 and can't make it in the ocean when it comes to the playoffs. What was he in the last playoffs? Yes, incredibly inconsistent. And he was. F, and again, for a player that still has other flaws in his He's game. He's not too. Jason Tatum. No. And Jason Tatum, up until probably the NBA Finals last year, was a great playoff mm-hmm. player, too. This year he was kind of streaky, like Jalen Brown and a lot of the other Celtics players. That If he was healthy in that final game, against the Miami Heat, if he didn't roll his ankle, I think the Celtics win. Fair enough. Even so, like, Jason Tatum's track record in the playoffs even before that, remember when he was a rookie, too. Like, they, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals and they, they lost against LeBron in seven games. Like, most of the Eastern Conference teams that they could, when LeBron had that insane streak, got swept or lost in five games. Like, this is Tatum and Brown was a second-year you know, player. And Tatum was the best player. I'm so interested to see how Miami is going to get Dame. Because it, it's sitting right now. Nobody is, I mean, it was a talk last week, and now all of a sudden it's died down. I think it's going to start picking back up in the next couple of weeks because, obviously, basketball is about a month and a half away. And we're going to hear more about Dame because Dame already said he doesn't want to play for Portland. He doesn't want to play for the Nets. He doesn't want to play with anybody but Miami. So, eventually, they're going to pull the trigger. But what are they going to give up? And is Dame and, the obviously, the Portland Trailblazers going to get ripped off by a team like the Miami Heat because he's demanding where he wants to go and no other team is, is going to be able to get him besides the Heat. So, it's so very interesting. And this is the way basketball has is, is become, you know, all about the players, all about the players' union and whatever they think. It's not about the NBA, the ownership. It's not about any of that because the league has decided to let the players run the league. And that is bad. When you know that the players are running the league, it's causing friction on ownership. It's causing friction on the deals that they can endorse moving forward, not only on the players, but the organization as a whole. And maybe investing into other players or investing in other opportunities to grow their product. John says the Heat has lost two starters and gave Vincent and Max Struess and is going yes. to lose Kyle Lowry and Duncan Robinson to offset Lillard's $45 million salary. Either Tyler Hero and or Caleb Martin will go out as well, plus a couple first-round picks. Yeah, Hero they were, was rumored to be the centerpiece of the trade because— Caleb Martin's staying there. Yeah, I, I think Hero has still a lot more upside. They will fill Caleb Martin in Hero's position. Right. And Hero's issues just been injuries mostly the last couple of years. And, again, inconsistency for the kind of money he's making, but he's still a good player. So th- that's going to be the centerpiece of the deal for the Blazers. Now, the, the difficult thing is going to be Kyle Lowry because he has a pretty much untradeable contract. Mm-hmm. Is anyone actually going to be willing to take Nobody's on want a 37-year-old that. that's a, like, a shorter point guard that is making $19 million? That's what the harder part. Duncan Here, Robinson for 18 is not terrible. Here's, that, here's, that, here's how it's going to work. To trade Kyle Lowry, you're going to have to give up an unprotected first-round draft pick. Right. And probably money. That's the way you're going to get rid of Kyle Lowry. It's not going to work like that. I think one way or another, they're going to have to figure out a third team that has to get involved and the third team to take on a bunch of other contracts. I I know Bam Adebayo is is definitely not a player that they – First of all, we've heard that Dame wants to play with Bam, so he's not going anywhere. Jimmy Butler's going nowhere. So 
I expect any other piece to go. Now, if you have a big three like that and Dame is healthy, why couldn't they win? The Eastern Conference is wide open. Milwaukee is not the powerhouse team that everybody thinks is going to be this year. Chris Middleton is not the same player. That team has no depth, none whatsoever. And you look at some of the other talent and, and the other the other organizations that everybody keeps talking about. What did the Knicks do this year? What did they do in the offseason? They've done nothing. They've done nothing. I know they added Dante. Good, good for them. Dante, I, I know all the Knicks fans are just so happy about Dante. And hopefully he turns out to be a, a much better player. Hey, look, we, we saw Jalen Brunson turn into a player. So maybe Dante from Villanova becomes a semi... Not a superstar, but a star. And he, he gives you 17, 18 points. He gives you 10 rebounds, and he's blocking two, three shots a game. If he puts out those numbers and gives you big-time three-point shots because he's a good three-point shooter and he shoots over 40%, then the Knicks slam dunk, baby. Yeah, I Nick, don't think that's hey, going to happen. The, the Knicks did something else this offseason. They traded Obi Toppin for nothing. <laughs> yeah, Did they ever? Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I mean, boy, oh, boy, they're going to regret that. I'm telling you right now. That is going to be a regretting move by the New York Knicks to get two second-round draft picks for Opie Toppin, who, by the way, when he did play a significant amount of time, put up the numbers. And now he's going to play in Indiana where he's going to, st- going to start. So uh, I, The odds are they're not going to go after Tyrese Halliburton, John. I, that doesn't need, the Knicks don't need that right now. They need a <clears throat> forward-type player right now. I, I think the Knicks need a wing player, yeah, a wing defender right. who can shoot. That's what they need. And Dante, they think, is going to be that guy. But I think he's more, being that he has a, he has a decent size, you could put him at the power forward position on the second team, or you can move him as the, the three on the first team. Right. The question is, does it work with the players that they have on the court? And, and yes, he knows Josh. He knows Jalen. They played together. So they know each other very, very well. And I expect them to possibly make a move or two to add maybe a couple other Villanova players because they want Jalen Brunson comfortable over here. And if he's comfortable and he's happy, maybe they can jump over some of these Eastern Conference teams, the teams that everybody think is better, thinks that are better than they are. So there's a, there's a lot of things that could happen. Uh, but again... I don't think the Knicks are making any more moves. They do have money, and they can add yeah. a super max player. Oh, yeah. So I expect the Knicks at the trade deadline, if somebody becomes available, uh, and, and I've been mentioning one guy over and over and over again. He plays for Cleveland. who The Knicks nice. should have made the trade when they should have. Uh, he might become available one way or another if Cleveland doesn't produce this year. Right. So, ah, man. So that's that's what we're going to do with that, I, with, with basketball, I think, today. <laughs> it's there's not a lot of basketball going on, so no. They they, they have their run for the first two weeks of July. They just dominate everything, and then it just dies out. <laughs> Ken Rosenthal reports that several new teams are in the sweepstakes for Shea Otani, including the Braves, the Cardinals, the Diamondbacks, and the Orioles. Rosenthal mentions the deep farm systems of the Braves, Diamondbacks, and the Orioles, giving them a better-than-expected chance to trade for them. Besides the Braves, all the other three of those teams have payrolls that are in the bottom half of the league, and the Orioles have the second lowest in baseball. Insiders also have named Rays and Blue Jays 
as potential suitors. Insiders believe Otani would more than likely want to stay on the West Coast, despite Otani not saying it directly himself. Otani is making $30 million on his arbitration deal this year and will likely get a deal in about the sweepstakes of $550, $600 million range next season. So, Shea Otani is going to be the biggest story in the offseason. Juan Soto has another year, and that's why nobody's talking about Juan Soto, but I expect Juan Soto to be traded. I do not believe the San Diego Padres are going to sign him. He's going to want $500 million. He's going to want four hundred fifty. And if Shea Otani gets a $550, $600 million contract, and, the Padre, and, and, and somebody like Soto... I don't know what his numbers are right now, but if he puts up a 40 spot or a 45 spot and he gives you about 120 RBIs this year, going into, you know, being that it's early in the second half of the season, I, Juan Soto is going to demand that kind of money too. He's an everyday player, he's an outfielder, he's a gold glove caliber outfielder player. The guy won a World Series when he was like 20, 21 years old. And was the best player by far in that World Series for offense. I, I mean, the guy produces in the playoffs. Even last year with the yeah. Padres, mm-hmm. he produced. He put up the numbers. I mean, it wasn't 300, but he still gave you numbers. He still had the RBIs. He still gave you power. He's that type of player. Otani's never played in the playoffs. Nope. We don't know if what Otani's going to do when the pressure's on him. And we're probably not going to know this year as well because the L.A. Angels suck. They do. They stink. Yeah. And they have no sense of direction right now, so they have to trade him. And this is an encouraging report for the Angels because there's a lot of teams that have these deeper farm systems that if they want to pay him that kind of money could give the Angels exactly what they need to boost. Because you look at the way teams have rebuilt. Like, there's not really a lot of teams that have like succeeded based on the model of the past where they were spending a lot of the a lot of money, the bigger markets were striving, and they were going to the World Series all the time. I'm not saying it never happens, but you look at the Orioles, the way they've rebuilt. They they built from the ground up starting probably in 2018, and mm-hmm. now look at where they are now. You look at the Houston, the way they were rebuilt. Like Houston was so bad in 2011, and then there was, there was the whole Sports Illustrated article about the Nerd Cave and all the analytics that really changed the way they developed players. They moved to the American League, and now they're a very steady powerhouse. And the Padres, too. Like Even though they're not, now they're down this year, but they had a lot of young players that they accumulated in order to spend, and then they were able to make trades because of it. Why not the Angels take that approach? It seems like they're always stuck in the middle, not knowing what they're doing, and it's just very hard in the spot they're in not to trade him at this deadline. So if they can get anything of value, especially from a team like the the Diamondbacks and the Orioles, which both have really good farm system, the Braves have so many young players on their roster. I would do everything I can to go and trade him to the Braves. Because the Braves are going to win a World Series if they add him. They're already probably the favorites of winning the World Series without him. Yeah. So... Adding him is not a big deal. Their farm system is still a top five in the league. You could get two, maybe even three top prospects for a guy like Otani, and then you're going to lose him anyways. And and the Braves probably don't re-sign him in the offseason. They still win their World Series. That's two of them in, in the last five years. Right. That makes the Braves fans happy. That makes the Braves organization and Ted Turner happy. And then they decide to let Otani go to the L.A. Dodgers because that's where he's probably heading. Oh, going back with Freddie Freeman. <laughs> Probably. John says, I'm a Braves fan. Don't want Otani. We have our roster locked up for the next five years, and we infirst. Why, why change it up? 
Uh, no one is going to sign Soto for long term. He's making twenty three million for one year. I can see a team giving him for two years a deal for seventy. But he's still one of the better, like pure all around, like hitters. Like I'm not saying he's the complete player, like somebody like Acuna is or somebody like that, John. But he's one of the best pure hitters because he doesn't chase a lot. He's very good with still making contact, even when it, even in years where his power numbers are down. And his numbers are low for a guy that's played 102 games. But he, here's here's where you have to look at. Juan Soto and what what makes him stand out from all those three hundred four hundred million dollar players, even with the season he's having right now, even with the season he's having right now, he's hitting two sixty. He's not having a good season. This guy, when he's having a good season, he's hitting over three hundred. He's still going to give you the power numbers. He still has nineteen home runs. He's going to finish the season with 35, 40 home runs. He is going to go on a hot streak. He's got 60 RBIs. He's going to hit over 100 RBIs this year. There's a lot of games left. I, I don't know how many games exactly, but he, he's definitely had over, has over 60 games left. And if he has over 60 games left, that's more than enough time to put and boost up his numbers. He is going to have the numbers. And if Juan Soto doesn't get his contract this offseason, he's gone. He's not re-signing with the Padres next season when he becomes available. He will go to free agency, and he will go to the highest bidder, and he'll probably be with the New York Mets. And again, you also look at a case of him being so durable and so young right now, too, that's going to still have leverage. Because these guys, a lot of these top players have... Had injury issues already in their career. I, I'm going back to Acuna. Acuna just came off a major injury, too. And even Otani at the beginning of his career was out dealing with a lot of injury issues. Soto doesn't have that kind of thing. So that could be leverage on him to still get that kind of money. John says, Braves taking it easy these last few weeks because they're, what, 10 games ahead of second place. They don't want no injuries coming to the playoffs. Yeah, the, the Braves have enough depth to make that work, John. They're done. They're, they're done. They're, they're going to be the number one team throughout baseball. They have far and along the most talent out of all these teams in baseball. I mean, you can't even argue. They're, dude, they have, Speedy, they have two farm system players that they want to call up already that are ready to be called up, and they don't have enough room for they, them. They did one last week as a spot starter, right. and he still pitched well, like in five innings even. so <laughs> they, it, uh... they probably sent him down, right? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? They don't have to. They could bring a guy up, he could pitch well, and send him back down, and they could wait another year to bring him back up. No, because a... Freed will be gone next year. He's a free agent. He'll probably go to the Mets. And here's my prediction. As a Yankee guy, but I, I'll say it because I'm a realist. The Mets will sign Freed next year. The Mets will get Freed next year, 100%. They will Please. pay him whatever he wants. He's a power lefty. He will make over $200 million. The Mets will give him that money. He won't make three hundred. dollars no. He'll make... He'll make about 240, 220. The Mets will pay him. Yep. And also, you look at the process the Braves go through, too. Like, they'll find the new pitcher that breaks out for them right away when somebody else is hurt. In 2021, it was. Ian Anderson, when Soroka was hurt, came up and filled in a lot more depth to go along with what they already have with Freed and Morton, guys they had then. Last year, you saw it be Kyle Wright, who broke out, who was their number one prospect the year before. Now, this year, it's Bryce Elder, who had a sub-two ERA for most of the season until, like, July. So. And another prediction. The year after, the Mets will sign Juan Soto to a $500 million contract mm. because Steve Cohen is not going to stop. He will go on a spending spree as long as he can to bring this team home a championship. And I'm telling you, that's what he's going to do. He will continue doing this until it works. And when it works, he'll make sure that the Met fans are happy. He'll be happy because he's a Met fan, and he'll show you that money does talk. No. 
and it has done. Yep. It, it hasn't done it for years for the Yankees, but if, if, you, if you spend enough money, he spent over two, almost $2 billion. If he spends another billion, it, it'll probably mean championship after that. But I, I, they, will running, they will definitely run and gun for a guy like Shea Otani. I just don't think Shea Otani's staying or going to an Eastern team. I think he'll stay out West. Uh, if he does get traded at the trade deadline to the Braves, it only gives them an, an, an extra boost or an extra thought that is, is going to tell everybody that you shouldn't even play because you don't stand a chance against the Braves. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just right now when you look at the position that a lot of these teams I why is it, and, and I, I, I don't understand, Jeff, with this Yankee fan thing, Jeff, do you realize that we're not even speaking about the Yankees and you're bringing up the Yankees? It just shows you how stupid and incompetent you really are. Okay? You're a dumbass. Nobody's talking about the Yankees. Nobody. And everything that comes out of your dumb, stupid mouth is negative. Instead of being interactive with the show, you're attacking uh, something that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Just shows you how stupid you are. I never said Soto's going to the Yankees. I never said Freed was going to the Yankees. As a matter of fact, I expect the Yankees to be sellers at the trade deadline, not buyers. That shows you how stupid you really are. And that just shows you how, how you like to mock everything that comes out of everybody's mouth because you're an idiot. John says, now I can see Soto go to the Yankees to replace Bowers. I mean... Yeah, maybe, but still, like, the Yankees are already, they have uh, a lot of money invested into four players already, and two of them are corner outfielders. I don't think Juan Soto's converting into a center fielder. He's, like, good defensively, but he's kind of bulky. I don't know if he can make that kind of shift. And we've seen the Yankees had issues this year when they've been wearing out Aaron Judge in center field. So do you want to do that again if you go after Juan Soto? Oh, my God. Breaking news. Wow. Boston's beating the Braves. 7-1. to Congratulations to Boston. <laughs> oh, the Mets fire them up. I guess they're taking the Braves down with them. Okay. Oh, man. They scored six in the game I was at on Sunday. Six to one. You know they what's sad Mets. about the – you know what's so sad about everybody attacking the Yankees? Even with the Yankees playing the way they are – They're still five games ahead of the Mets. <laughs> and, and they're three games out of a playoff spot. Yeah. So it, it just shows you how stupid and dumb, you know, stupid Boston fans out there in Tampa – you know, have something to say about a team and an organization that he knows nothing about. So that, that just shows you his stupidity. But I, I think uh, the trade deadline is going to be interesting. I expect Baltimore to make a couple of moves, mm-hmm. uh, maybe at a pitcher. I think that's what yep. they need. Um, Toronto, I think they need to add another bat. So I expect Toronto to maybe add a bat into and maybe a pitcher. I I, I, I could see them use yeah back end rotation yes. guy. Yeah. Um, I expect Boston to make a move because Boston still. You know, in the running for a playoff spot, being that they're fifty three and forty seven, they're playing they're playing pretty good baseball the last three weeks. Boston's played pretty well. Yep, and they're putting up numbers and they're starting to hit. And their pitching staff is actually showing up every single game and pitching. You know, five and a half, six innings. So. Oh yeah, the Met, the Mets lost to an opener that and scored one run and two hits. Yeah, I learned that firsthand very well. Uh, Stug says Boston has the best record in the month of July. I don't know if it's the best, but it's definitely one of the best. Uh, John says Boston lost to Oakland. Come on, Jeff. Hey, Jeff even admitted that last week. And then he says Boston made a move. I don't know what Boston made. Hey, Jeff, here's what I do. I actually, besides do radio and I'm, I'm out there DJing, I actually work. 
So I don't sit in front of a television or sit in front of social media all day looking at what the Boston the Boston Red Sox did, Boston Bruins or whatever anybody does, okay? I actually have to work before I go into and, and, and actually do my investigation and study what's going on in sports. So thank you, Jeff, for being the idiot that you always are. Yeah, that says Red Sox dealt Kike Hernandez to the Dodgers. Yeah, put him through. Kike Hernandez is under 600 OPS Can't this wait year. to hear what this idiot's going to say. All right, Jeff. You're, you're lashing out tonight. I have no idea why. You know, you claim you do lashing out. Do you? Are you reading what you're posting up on the board? See, see, see how angry you are. And you're lashing out. It's very unbecoming of a radio host. <laughs> and you know, you take it so seriously. You would have thought that you knew that Boston traded TK Hernandez today for two relievers. Congratulations. Good, that was a good good move. Can't be worse than the under 600 OPS. Is that yeah, the same no. Hernandez that Kike, Kike, Kike was struggling, but you know he he did a lot of good for the Red Sox. He was the hottest hitter in baseball during that playoff. Run. I was about to say the best that. No, he did well. No, he did well in twenty one. You're right about that. Right, so you know it paid off, and now they're cashing in and and uh, and, and getting some minor leaguers. And John's comment: Oh, Boston lost to Oakland. Read the comment. I said Boston has a better record against good teams than they do bad teams. They stink against bad teams. The Red Sox. They're terrible against bad teams. If they could, if they could play 500 baseball against bad teams, we'd be like two or three games out of first place. But we suck against bad teams, so we are where we are. John says, "How's of right now? Do you see any sleeper MLO team that could make a deep run? The Twins, the Reds, or the Rangers? The Rangers aren't a sleeper. They're a powerhouse this year. They have the best offensive base. The Rangers could come out of the AL. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, they have the best coach, the best manager in baseball." In Bochi. Right, the, the, the Rangers got problems, though. Isn't Seager, uh, Seager's down for a while, isn't yes. it? Seager's out a for month. two weeks. So almost a month, they Almost say. a month, yes. okay. I, again, they have so much depth in their lineup. The Rangers' main concern is their bullpen. They have to find something in there because their starters are actually holding down the fort, even without DeGrom there. They've got veteran Galore with Evaldi pitching phenomenally this year. they got Andrew Haney's pitched well. Dane Dunning, their young kid, has been a good uh, hybrid starter reliever. But they need more in their bullpen. They traded for Aldis Chapman. He's been pretty good for them Houston so far. is going to win that division they're they're going to get hot they're getting hot they're only one game or half a game behind uh texas i expect them to win the division but texas is making the playoffs right they're too good uh their their pitching staff has pitched very well they have one of the best bullpens in baseball i expect them to make a move or two uh to add to that roster they're going to be dangerous and they they have an owner that's willing to spend so i expect texas to, to be a playoff contending <laughs> team let's let's just go back a couple of years right and everybody did it. I'm not just picking on you. I did it too, okay? Remember everyone picking on the Rangers for giving Corey Seager that contract? Yep, and we yep. were like, they stink, like, whatever. Like, they're never going to be. Dude, turns out to be one of the best moves going, right? And now they've built a team around it, and they, they're pretty awesome. They're, they're really good. One through eight. They're just missing that nine guy that can hit. But, but uh, Duran can hit, and Jankowski can hit. Like they're their whole infield, lineup. they're all infield hits, and Heim is one of the most underrated catchers, young catchers. In the and league. they have the and they have the rookie of the year in baseball, Jung, by yeah, far, yeah. hands up. Yeah, yeah. Is it Jung or is it Young? I, I, but I think or you might be Young. You're right. Yeah, but yeah, he was an all star starter. Yeah, that, that's everything you need. I mean, they're they're having a very very good season, and 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 and, and they're doing it without Degrom too. Yes, right. mm-hmm. and, and he'll be out for two years. He won't. He, you will not see him, but. 
even Aroldis Chapman's been a part of this. So, yeah. I mean, you can. Everyone's great when they leave the Yankees. And Nathan Ovaldi's had a pretty good season. I mean, they're John Gray has been pretty good. So they're producing. They're doing the things that they need to do, and and they're getting the pitching that they need. And and I think the best the best move they made in the offseason was bringing in Bruce Bochy. Yes. I, I mean, bringing him out of retirement after leaving and retiring from San Francisco and bringing him back. This guy is a proven winner. He's won three three I almost said Super Bowls, three World Series. And, and he did it in, like, what, seven years? Right. I, I mean, it, it's pretty and amazing. He it, and he did it with teams that were, like, they were either the last division winner or mm-hmm. wild cards. So if the Rangers are a wild card. Did it with pitching. He did it, it with pitching. Well, yeah, which has helped. Look at the Rangers pitchers this year and look at the Rangers track record when bringing in veteran pitchers in the past. The mm-hmm. past ten years, it wasn't good. Like, I yeah, would say, all these free agents. I would say that this lineup is better than any lineup he's had with the Giants. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, I, I mean, the, the Giants lineups were never, like, this potent with home run power the way the Rangers are this year. The Giants had a balanced lineup that had some good power hitters, but they were never this potent when it came to raw power. And like you said, Jeff, I mean, this guy, Josh Jung, is having a fantastic year, 25 years old. And remember, it, it took him a while you know, to develop in the farm system, but now being called up and being a rookie, the same, look, Aaron Judge came up at 25 years old. And it took him a little while in the farm system. Now he's figured it out, and look what he's doing this year. I mean, it, 390 at-bats, 20 home runs, 61 RBIs, batting 272. His OPS is 808, and his on-base percentage is 323. It's, he's having a fantastic year. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and and, and th- this whole year has been filled with a lot of great performances that you don't expect. I mean, look, the other night we just saw perhaps the greatest single uh first game debut of any major leaguer in the history of the sport. That was unbelievable, Sal Freelick. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that there's a lot of good players. There's a lot of players that we've had scouts come on this show and, and mention players, and we haven't heard from them. And now all of a sudden we're starting to hear their names being called. And it, it's absolutely amazing. Because I remember, what was it, two years ago? Who did we interview? <clears throat> uh, it, was an, it was a college It was a college coach, and he mentioned one of these pitchers, and it and and now all of a sudden I think it's from the Orioles and now all of a sudden he's he was called up last year and then it, now he's he's having a good season. Yeah, so. it sounds familiar. I don't remember which coach exactly. I, I yeah. forget. I, I forget, but I know it's one of the Oriole young pitchers that they called up just past this this past season, and he's producing. And and I, again the Orioles, the Orioles, the Texas Rangers in the AL. Uh, our teams to watch. I expect uh, Houston has a great farm system. They always do. Uh, they're going to be good for many, many years to come. Tampa, these teams Boston. that you're here, Boston too, with 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 a guy uh, that comes from the the Rays organization. All these teams, even Chicago, who I'm so surprised the White Sox are as bad as they are because with the talent that they have in the farm system and everybody keeps bragging about, why aren't these guys producing? Why aren't these guys showing up every single day? Something is going on because you're management, bring, management. It has to be management because they it's have so they much talent. Tony, they hated Tony LaRusso. Mm-hmm. That was a disaster. Yeah. Right? Like, it's oh, yeah. been a mess there since Ozzie Guillen was there. Mm-hmm. And that was a racist. He was doing racist things, and that's why he lost his job. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, it, it's it's crazy. And Detroit has a very good farm system too. <clears throat> yes, they're Sweeney, another. How do, you feel about the, how do you feel about the Mets playoff chances? Still, you got to be super still, excited to see the best best power hitter in New York just absolutely raking. Yeah. Yeah, he got on. out of his month long slump. Finally, he got a hit on Sunday, and now he, obviously the two home runs tonight. Hopefully, that's a right, well, good sign of things to come. But. 
The, RBI single in the first dude, inning. They're right? not, three, they're not making the, two bombs. They're not making the playoffs, guy. They could. They're not. They have they to. Could. They have to get some level of a bullpen, which they, they have to go in on a seven, half. eight, nine game winning streak, bro. They have to right. do that, and they're not there's a team that's. Time, there's two months left in the season. Jeff, their bullpen sucks, okay? They have one of the worst bullpens in baseball. How yeah, the hell is right, that going they, to hold They might up? be able to overcome that if they actually get to, like, Lindor's been terrible all year. If Lindor would pick up his game and start hitting a little bit, if the polar bear would get, get going now. Like, some of these guys that haven't been hitting, they can make up for some of that Lindor's, stuff. Lindor has the power numbers. He's just not hitting for average. And, and well, that's a lot that might problem, be who though. he is for now on. That might be him as a player right. now. The Mets also have a problem with a lack of on-base percentage, too, from a lot of their top guys. Even Nimmo, who was an on-base machine for a while, has been a little down in the second half of the season, too. I think Canna is now the leader in on-base percentage on the team right now at 339. Well, the Mets, the, the Mets definitely need to trade uh, Beeb's little brother. Who's that? Daniel Vogelback. Oh, I don't know what kind of value he's going to spawn. Oh, God. It doesn't matter. The value is in not having him. Okay, they can just leave him on the bench like they did two months ago. You can't leave him on the bench because that's just eating up a spot that you could use for, like, a pinch runner or, like, you know, in, in spots that you need somebody. Every, every space on a roster is valuable. Yeah, Vogelback is there to wear out a pitcher, throw seven pitches, and then just strike out looking. <laughs> He's got the buffet after the games. <laughs> of <you know>? course. <laughs> uh, but John, that's definitely Beeb's little brother, though. <laughs> John says, Ella De La Cruz, Rookie of the Year, and if he gets it, it's crazy because he debuted June 5th. Uh, he's not going to get it because of Corbin Carroll, but he's definitely having one of those great stretches. He had Corbin a little Carroll's bit of, been unbelievable, too. Yeah. Corbin Carroll's done it the whole year, though, John. He, and then De La Cruz had a little bit of a slump right before the All-Star break, too. I think you still have to take the larger sample. Unless Carroll still has the injury issues he had towards the All-Star break, then it looks like he'll get it no matter what. And Dale Cruz is putting up great numbers in that mm. raw stretch, but are they going to reward a smaller sample is to be determined. Before we go to, obviously, Bracket the, Wars. Go ahead, Jeff. Ellie hasn't been that good, though, right? Like, like No, he had a hitting like, slump for the last, like, two, three weeks. And no, that's, that's but, but, he honestly hasn't, but he honestly hasn't been good. Like, he honestly hasn't. The thing with Ellie is he does freak things, like when he stole all three bases, right. including home when the pitcher turned around, which is crazy. Right? But last night... He hit one out of the Brewers Park over a Toyota Sequoia, yeah. right? Like he does freak things, but when you look at his batting average, it's not very good. No, he's it's... not like getting on base or anything. He no. just hits a freak home run that goes seven thousand feet, and everyone goes, "Wow, he's so good." John says, "I don't think the Yankees make the playoffs." Snook says, "Polar." Right now, power. they don't look like it. If they, I, I just, if I were the Yankees right now, going into the trade deadline, I would start trading <laughs> off pieces like Glaber Torres, getting stuff back for these guys. Because to me, you wait until the off season, you see what's out there, and you start rebuilding certain spots where your roster needs to be filled. That outfield is horrible. I mean, McKinney is your starting left fielder. There's a problem there. Uh, you, you have to look at these things going into the offseason and say, let's fix up what's going on in the outfield because we know Giancarlo is going to be a DH. If we can't trade him in the offseason, we have to figure out how we can keep him healthy enough where he is going to produce that 30, 35 home runs and 100 RBIs because he's not doing it enough this year. And, and also, that third, by, th- third base position. You need to figure out. Volpe is the future shortstop. Pereza does not look like he's going to hit for average where he can 
add the power that you need at third base. You have to figure out what you're doing at that position because right now you're not getting any production there. And if you're not getting any production there, Rizzo's still there for another year. He'll give you your, your you know, your 25 and 80 at first base, and he's a gold glove type of first baseman. You have no production over there at third base. And with the Yankees over the years, you got production from where? You got production at third base, you got production at shortstop, you got production at second and first. If you had, if the Yankees had production in all those positions, the Yankees right now would be the number one team in the the AL. So I, they wouldn't. They they wouldn't. They're, they're actually fools gold. I got a couple of stats for you, Earl. Mm-hmm. Since you love stats so much. It's Errol, by the way. Just, and, and and it's Earl. It's Errol. Uh, check out the cap to Miami Heat. Hello. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Miami Heat. He, here's He's how in jail. Here's how they're legit. Here's how they're, le- here's how they're legitimately terrible. And Yankees we know the number is stop. You posted it. You oh, sent it to really? me. Really? What are the numbers that I'm going to talk You gave it to me already. You sent it to me. Did you not? Yeah. The, the Yankees are 8-1 and one against the Royals and the A's this year. They're 45-47 and 47 against everyone else. When they play the Royals and the A's, they have a plus 41 run differential. When they play the rest of Major League Baseball, they have a minus 32 run differential. So unless the Yankees are playing the Royals and the A's the rest of the way out, they're not going to win games. They're legitimately not good, right? It's fool's gold. Their, their record and their stats and things, they run it up against bad teams, and when they play anyone worth a shit, they're legitimately terrible. Well, thank you for calling, my friend. We really you appreciate don't think, it. Like, those are real stats, though. I mean, you, you can hide it. from the whole... Like, I'm not hiding like, from like, nothing. I don't care. They <laughs> stink. Good. You love it. Because that's all you do is talk about the Yankees. I, I, I don't love it. I don't love it because I think baseball is best when the Red Sox and the Yankees are both good. Because I think it's, I think it's the best rivalry in baseball. It's the best, right one of the best rivalries in like, sports. Yeah, right. Exactly. And right now, it's like watching fucking Beave and Tyler in a pie eating contest. <laughs> it's just disgusting. Thank you, Jeff. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like it's just not great. We'll talk and to I'm you on Thursday. And I'm rooting for the Yankees to get better because the Red Sox are getting Trevor Story back. And we could go on a run. We'll talk to you on Thursday, bud. Uh, that, that sounds great, Earl. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Such an idiot. Beave and Tyler at a pie in a contest. Such a pain in the ass. He really is. He really <laughs> is. He, you know what he is? He's like, he's like a bad story, okay? Or bad movie. You watch the whole movie, okay? Have you ever watched a bad movie? It, like it looks like it's a good movie all the way through until you get to that middle part, the body of the movie, and then you something happens in the movie. And you're like, "Are you serious?" Yeah. And you're like, "I don't want to watch the movie anymore." <laughs> yeah, you know that's that's Jeff. Yeah. That's Jeff. Anyways, Speedy, you ready? Yep. It is time for this edition of Bracket Wars. We got the number 15 seed, David Wright, the number 2 seed, Mark Messier, in one matchup, and the number 9 seed, Clyde Frazier, versus the number 8 seed, Scott Stevens, in the other. It's time for Bracket. 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 It's time for Bracket Wars. All right, we'll do the Wright-Messier one first. (laughs) You want to do that one first? Yeah, let's do that one first. Really? Uh, we'll say the, the other All one's right. better. Let's save All it for right. late. Let's, uh, let's do it. The number 15 seed, David Wright, 
Wright had a 296 batting average, a 376 on-base percentage, a 242 home runs, and 970 RBIs in his career. Wright had seven All-Star appearances, two Gold Gloves, two Silver Sluggers in his career. Wright is the second is second in Mets history with 1,585 games played. Wright hit over 300 in six of his 14 seasons in his career. Wright owns the Mets hitting record in eight categories in franchise history. I believe David Wright is the greatest hitting talent the Mets have ever had that they drafted. He is fantastic. He was a top draft nominee. And before he hurt himself playing Team USA baseball, if you remember, David Wright was on his way to be one of the best third basemen ever. And I believe in Major League history. He could steal. He could hit for power. He could do everything, hit for average. He was a fantastic talent and one of the greatest Mets to ever play the game. Right, and you look at only having the two gold gloves, too, but he could have had a lot more. There was just a lot of other top third basemen at the time, too. Scott Rowland, who just got inducted to the Hall of Fame, was a fantastic defender, and he was in the National League for quite a while. So there were a lot of them that just stole the award. But, again, he was pretty complete as an all-around player throughout. And like you were saying, like he's one of the few Mets homegrown players that actually stayed with the franchise mm. the whole time when Derek Carol Strawberry left for other places. Jose Reyes left for Miami, all that stuff. And he was one of the few that just stayed there the whole time. And, t- and until those injury issues, the spinal issues caught up to him, he was having a great career. The number two seed, the captain, Mark Messier. In his 25-year career, Messier had 694 goals, 1,193 assists, and 1,887 total points. In his 10-year career with the Rangers, Messier scored 250 goals, 441 assists, and 691 points. Messier had five All-Star game appearances, one, two Hart trophies, two Pearson trophies, and won a Conn Smythe in 1984 Stanley Cup versus the Islanders. In his Ranger career in the playoffs, Mark Messi had 80 goals, 135 assists, and 215 points in 70 playoff games. In his playoff career, Messi had 109 goals, 186 assists, and 295 points in 236 games played. Mark Messi, to me, was the face of 90s Rangers hockey. He was the captain. He obviously guaranteed the win against the New Jersey Devils. He hit it. He scored a hat trick in that game. He was everything for the New York Rangers, and he was everything to the Rangers organization moving forward. And everything that the Rangers have done over the years, Mark Messier is trying to help New York hockey grow as he's building, obviously, ice rinks and everything. He's been really the face of hockey here in New York. One of the most complete centers all around of all time, too, because the Rangers, I talk about it all the time, how they never get, get face-off depths, and those teams in the 70s, too, had the problem for a while. They, they made the cup, but they couldn't beat the Bruins and the teams like that because they didn't have enough center depth, and they always had the great goaltending, but they needed that other guy, that that iconic player, and that was Messier for a long time. Number, oh, who do you have for? I got Messier. You got Messier? Mm, I'm going to go with Mark Messier, too. I mean, he had a longer career, 25 yeah, years. Yeah, right. Number nine seed, Walt Clive Frazier. Frazier averaged 18.9 points per game, 5.9 assists per game, 6.1 rebounds per game, with a 49% field goal percentage and a 78.6% free throw percentage. Frazier was a seven-time All-Star, six-time first-team All-NBA, and was on an all-defensive team seven times. Frazier played 10 seasons with the Knicks and played over 70 games per year in nine of those seasons. In 93 playoff games with the Knicks, 
Frazier averaged 20.7 points per game, 7.2 rebounds per game, and 6.4 assists per game. Frazier had 36 points in Game 7 against the Lakers in 1970 to clinch the Knicks' first NBA title in franchise history. Frazier is is the Knicks' all-time assist leader. Walt Clyde Frazier changed the game of basketball here in New York. He, not only with his style, but his pizzazz, that's why he's one of the biggest voices here in New York broadcasting history. He's everything what the Knicks are trying to do, and that's called win. He was a winner in the 70s. He won two titles with those Knicks teams, and now the Knicks, after, what, 40 years, is trying to get back to that level, and I think... A guy like Walt Clyde Frazier, you can learn a little little bit from, uh, I believe, the greatest point guard to ever come out of New York Knicks history. Yeah, and you also look at, we were talking about Jason Kidd last week, one of the best defensive point guards of his era, too. A seven-time all-defensive player, like you were saying, great length at that position, too, in a time where he didn't really have that kind of thing, too, and was a well-rounded player. People knock his shooting because it wasn't, like, super efficient, but again, there was no three-point line at the time, so you really had to create everything, and he was one of the best passers of that era, for sure. The number eight seed, Scott Stevens. Stevens had 196 goals, 712 assists, and 908 total points, 12th most NHL history by a defenseman. In 956 games with the Devils, Stevens had 98 goals, 331 assists, and 429 total points. Stevens was a five-time All-Star, three-time Stanley Cup champion, and won a Conn Smythe in 2000. Stanley Cup with the Devils beating the Stars. Stevens is third in total games played in Devils history and led the league in games played by defensemen three times. Stevens had 17 goals, 45 assists, and 62 points in 153 career playoff games with the Devils. Stevens had 26 goals, 92 assists, and 118 points in 233 playoff games in his career. Hall of Famer. It really was the face of that great Devils hockey. Everybody thinks it was Brodeur, but he was the mean guy. He was the beast. He was the leader of that team. He was everything the Devils were building. Lou Lamorello was trying to build the organization around. He was everything. And and why Scott Niedermeyer became the the face at that defensive position after he retired, I, I, I think... One of the greatest Devils to ever play the game. Yeah, one of the most complete all-around defensemen, too. When you look at 900 points, like you were saying, that's 12th all-time. He's right short of 1,000, but he also hits. He was very physical. Like you said, he was the fundamental guy in the trap. The trap really revolutionized the NHL sport at that time. Larry Robinson! And I, that really made a big difference to the way a lot of these teams play now. And he was still physical, too, amidst all that. Like he, I think there were certain years he led the league in penalty minutes, too. Who do you have? I got Stevens in this one. I think he's a little more complete all around. I've got Walt. All right. So uh, let the uh, fans on Twitter decide who's going to move on. Well, it's not on. Twitter anymore. It's X. Uh, I'm sorry. X. <laughs> Why did he name it X? Who knows? It's Elon Musk. Nobody said he was smart. Why would he change the name? It's so stupid. <laughs> Nobody said he was smart. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I don't think it makes a difference. It's still going to bring people. It's going to still interact. People are still going to be able to interact on the social media market. So whatever he calls it, he can call it butt cheeks. It doesn't really matter. Uh, that's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you uh, to, obviously, uh, Pro Football Focus, the Sirius XM Fantasy Football Radio Show host, Brian Drake for joining us. He's fantastic. Thank you to all the fans. Thank you, Jeff, for pissing me off. Thank you to all the fans that pissed me off all over social media and my emails. I love you guys. Continue doing that. I don't care if you tell me I'm an ass. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Thank you to all the fans. Continue listening to us and tune in to us on Thursday at 9 p.m. as we have new guests and new content. So tune in and we'll talk to you then. Good night, everybody. 
is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.